is good to be a gangster. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Headlong into Monsters, the ADHD of Horror podcast, where we ask the hard questions like, can you eat ass and still be a vegan? <laughs> <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> I'm sorry. We are your gruesome. <laughs> oh, I really... I really like to catch Ashley off guard because she's gonna be red right now. I am. Look at my face. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we are your gruesome twosome, the elderly emos. I am Raul, the monster slayer, coming at you from beautiful Twilly, Utah. And with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host from down in Arkansas way, barely Ashley. Ashley, how the hell are you? I was really good up until the opening line. Now I don't think I can recover. I'm, I believe in you. I'll try. <laughs> well, on this podcast, we talk about horror movies and horror happenings. This is a spoiler podcast. And with that in mind, we do not cover movies within a year of their release. Hopefully that gives you listeners time to catch up with and watch the movies before we spoil the ever-living crap out of them. Anything older than a year is fair game. <clears throat> so be on the lookout for Invisible Men and raise a glass as we toast to the son of the House of Frankenstein and join us as we dive headlong into monsters. This is episode 15 and today we'll be, we will be covering Frankenstein, the Bride of Frankenstein, the Invisible Man, and the Old Dark House. But before we get into that, Ashley, will you care to introduce our guest for the evening? Yes, we have with us the Universal Monsters Encyclopedia, Dark Mark from Twitter. I'm not sure if you have Facebook or anything. I just know you from Twitter. I so. have Facebook. I don't really use it. so. Okay. Twitter. Encyclopedia, that's that's kind. I, I watch them a lot, but you know. Well, now you've got that label on you. <laughs> yeah. Time to shine. Now I'm gonna have to think. <laughs> yeah, Ashley straight branded you the encyclopedia of Universal <laughs> Horror. So yeah. <laughs> I'm expecting a lot out of you, Mark. <laughs> Boy, pressure. <laughs> Uh, if you're a first-time listener, then welcome back, and thank you for joining us. If you're not a first-time listener and are a returning listener, then I hope you enjoyed the previous episode, episode 14, with Matt and Jackson from Father and Son Watch Horror Podcast. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We covered um, The Shining <laughs> and Misery. Mm, yeah. I guess fun is subjective, right? <clears throat> it is our most talked about episode, and it's still being talked about yeah. right now. Yeah, Let's talk like, more about how great The Shining is. <laughs> I don't think you want me to get into that. <laughs> people cannot. People are either like totally all in on your opinion, or just cannot fucking believe what they're hearing. There is no like oh, I can see it. It's either yes, finally someone said it, or what the fuck is wrong with you, Raul? That is all. There's no in between. There is no in between. It's a very device, divisive movie. And, you know, opinions right. are like assholes. Everyone has them. That's my opinion. And I'm sorry for shoving my asshole in your face. But here we are. <laughs> I think it's because you read the book. So you got to stop reading books. Impossible. Do you know how many books I read? <laughs> it's the less you know. 
(laughs) Exactly. Ignorance is not bliss, friend. (laughs) The Harry Potter books ruined the movies for me. See, I I haven't read any of them. Oh, they're easy. That's why I read them. They are a pretty easy read, but he likes books that. Oh, I'll I'll be talking about what I've been reading. Okay. They're just really, (laughs) really messed up material. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, along. So anyway, it was great having Matt and Jackson on. Um, their podcast again is father and son watch horror movies podcast. Um, they're great. They're very knowledgeable. I'm, I'm sorry for the conversation that was had, but you know, it was had, I can't do anything about it, but you know, check out their podcast or anyone that doesn't know them, give them a listen. I also wanted to quickly shout out, um, Greg Bazzelli from the Monsters in the Mosh Pit podcast. And oh my Moses, where did I put that other note? <laughs> Son of a bitch. There it is. Damn it. Uh, I also wanted to shout out, shout out uh, Don and Ellie from Horror Countdown podcast. Uh, both great podcasts with, uh, you know, with Greg Bazzelli and the Monsters of the Mosh Pit and Don and Ellie from Horror Countdown. Um, great shows. Check them both out. They're both fairly new. Um, lots of good stuff on both and especially the monsters in the mosh pit. If you like, um, horror movies and especially the metal genre, I would definitely recommend checking that out. It's bitching. Um, I have to see what episodes he has out. Um, he's only got like three episodes out, but they are like two hours long. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think you'd like it. I think you'd like it, Ashley. Um, real quick, I wanted to do a little, a kind of a new segment. I know we usually talk about some upcoming horror stuff, but considering we don't really cover new movies, I wanted to do, uh, I want to replace that, uh, upcoming horror segment with a little bit of uh, listener feedback, considering we got a shit ton of it for last episode and for the last episode or, uh, for the last full episode of Land of the Creeps, where Ashley and I were both on as guests talking about virus movies. Um, but, uh, yeah, lots of feedback from the Shining episode. Brian Scott on Twitter said, despite my rating of 10 on The Shining, I totally see your point of view. The Shining is my favorite book. I've read it twice, but I still love the movie. That was an amazing episode. Great stuff, man. Thank you, Brian. Uh, Stuart McCrone said the pot or love the podcast as always never been a bad freaking Moses never been a fan of the shining either to be honest I admit I don't think it would make my top 20 or 30 list I do love the documentary documentary room 237 however much more entertaining misery love it thank you all involved even the barking dog and that was, uh, I believe, Matt's dogs, right? Yeah. Or Matt's wife's yeah. dogs. Yeah. Uh, Will from Shapes and Shadows uh, Horror Podcast, another great one to check out, says, that was a fun one. I was laughing at, laughing at the same time and felt so bad for Matt. He sounded so defeated after Raul's constant barrage of hatred, LOL. Ashley and Jackson kept the peace also appreciated Ashley bringing up corn sharks. Damn it. <laughs> it's back. Hmm. Made an appearance early. 
And I uh, didn't and, need to bring it up. I know. He did say you need to join the club, Jackson, which I disagree with. No. Mark, have you seen it? No, but I'm I'm gonna watch it. I don't recommend that. <laughs> I was busy this week, so I didn't get around to it. But I was like, I should watch that right before I come on the show. If you need to like frame your basement or like put up some drywall, that's a better thing to do than watch this movie. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, Greg Bench said, yeah, it definitely had my blood pressure to dangerously high levels. <laughs> Alas, Matt defended well. I'm sorry. Uh, Trey Whetstone. From- Greg Bench. I know. I feel so sorry because that's not even the first movie I've mentioned that he vehemently disagrees my, uh, on against my opinion. So, um, Trey Whetstone from Screaming Through the Ages podcast, another great one, says, I was holding off listening to this because I don't like to hear people I respect fighting, but I finally finished today. Raul, I don't agree with a lot of what you said, but I can respect your opinion. <laughs> I can respect your opinion on the movie. Like I said on the last episode, not everyone likes every classic. Yes. And Mike Miller, who is probably the most on my side, said, uh, by the way, I agree with you on The Shining. It's overrated. It's the Titanic of horror movies. (sighs) That is absolutely uncalled for. I No, I agree with him. The Titanic of horror movies. <laughs> if yeah, someone's is... trying to kill Matt, it's that guy. He, I asked him if uh, if I could share, because that's a hard opinion. I asked him if I could share that opinion on the podcast, uh, and he said he already shared it with Matt <laughs> on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure he loved the comparison. But yeah, Matt, if you're listening, I love you, brother. <laughs> but that was our listener feedback section. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Um, I, I love when anyone comments about the episode, it makes me feel better about, you know, putting things out and, and what we're doing here, because sometimes I, I feel like maybe I'm just putting stuff out into the ether. <laughs> so these are just all tweets. That's your feedback. Yeah. These were all tweets, uh, except for Mike Miller. He did tell me that in, uh, over a direct message on Facebook, but everything else was pretty much <clears throat> tweeted out. Cool. Well, that's how you can get in contact and get in the next segment segment of the show. That's right. Listener feedback, baby. Um, but real quick, before we get into the topic at hand, let's talk about what we've been viewing, what we've been taking in as a, you know, for our horror content. Mark is our guest. We're going to have Ashley go first. <laughs> what have I been watching? Uh, I just finished Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Ooh. Right before we got on here. And of course, these four movies. I don't know. It's been really busy with like work and then my dad and stuff. So I can't remember anything that happened this week. Ashley, you watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I did. <laughs> That's true. Crystal Christmas. I didn't want to bring Rewatch it up. the old Invisible Man. Yes. Letterboxd. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. I didn't rewatch <laughs> The Grinch, but I did read it. Nice. I the Texas see. Chainsaw Massacre do not get me started oh we were watching stranger things because i'd never seen any of it (gasps) wow i know and you caught up on the joe bob special oh frankenhooker oh yeah (laughs) and black roses i don't know about that one but most importantly frankenhooker surprisingly good huh four times four times 
it was pieced together like I would fall asleep and then he he watches it all because like he didn't fall asleep so I'm like picking back up where I started again and he's like this fucking movie again <laughs> I was like well I didn't see what Joe Bob said right here so I gotta rewind it I really like that movie though it's so funny how I can defend that movie and then also like rail against the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I don't know, but it's just something I can do and I'm doing it. Yeah, I kind of like how I will defend terrible movies and then not like The Shining. So Yeah, it's <laughs> what we do. Mm -hmm. We don't have to make sense. No. I'm not here for logic, Mark. Because <laughs> everyone's just like, just enjoy it for the popcorn movie. It is like, you're just not wanting to enjoy things. And that's not true at all. Like, I can watch a lot of shitty movies because the characters, whereas maybe they're nothing to me, but I don't hate them. Like, vehemently hate them like I do in this new movie. Like, there's a bunch of slashers where it's like the characters are just there to get killed. And maybe they're likable, maybe they're not. Maybe they're nothingness. But in this new one, it was like they graded on me so hard I could not enjoy it. And we're not supposed to talk about it because it's just released. I'm just Yeah, like just released. I literally I enjoyed it. I watched it too. I had been drinking, but yeah, it didn't click with me. I was one of those people that was like Ooh, it kind of felt like a made-for-TV movie to me. It, just, um, it did have that vibe. Yeah, which is okay. There's sometimes when I like that, but I guess, um, I don't know, for Texas Chainsaw, and I, I don't know. It didn't click with me. In fact, it makes me think I should, since I was drinking and everything too, I should watch it again. And I, I was about to say, you, with, with the amount, what, what part of it made it, made you, made it feel like a made-for-TV movie? Was, all the, was it the loads and buckets of explicit gore? Or? That part I liked. That I I was into that. It was just like just the opening, just the way everything was shot. But I was also at my friend's house watching it, and I'm not sure if they had some motion smoothing stuff going on and some that I'm not used to, and it kind of looked it cheapened it for me. So, you know, it could be my viewing experience, but it didn't click with me. And usually I'm pretty forgiving on stuff, so I enjoyed I it, but I I was not excited about it. I I'm I I really enjoyed the movie. There are a lot of problems with the writing. Some of the characters just felt freaking formulaic. Mm. And I mean, if you're looking at it critically, I can see why people aren't gonna like the movie. It's it I, I, I feel like what they were trying to do was like capture what Halloween 2018, which should be Halloween lives, what Halloween <laughs> lives uh, <laughs> you know obtained in that. In, in, in its success and they were trying to break that down formulaically mm -hmm. to try and and mm -hmm. capture that lightning in a bottle so to speak and I feel like after they broke that movie down formulaically they you know use that formula to make this new movie and it just doesn't work the same because the movies are inherently different but for what it was I, I enjoyed it I just mm. It's fine. I liked it. Yeah. I think but, if they went all the way um, goofy comedy, I could have accepted it. Or if they went really serious, um, there, there was they threw in a lot of themes and stuff, and I just didn't feel like it all fit together in the end. It's <laughs> like I'm not quite sure what to 
with the follow. It was some interesting ideas. Just, um, I don't know, something about the execution just got to me. Yeah, and I can get that. I mean, I am not one to judge someone for not liking a movie unless it's uh, the thing, John Carpenter's the thing. You know, <laughs> then if you don't like that movie, then how dare you? How dare I mean, you, Ashley? I, I gave it a like on Letterboxd, but I gave it a low rating. Mark. Not the thing. It was Texas Chainsaw. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Yeah. No, the thing's like but perfect. I'm still trying to figure out how Letterboxd, work, Letterboxd works. So like... If I like a movie, what does that do? It puts a heart next to your rating. <laughs> That's it. Okay. So if I like a movie, I should heart it. Yeah. You can. Yeah. I, I, I like, I just like a lot of horror movies. So when I watch them, I usually put a like on there and then I'll rate them. And sometimes my rating's low, but I still like it. So I try <laughs> to rate it like what kind of quality I think it is of a movie. Gotcha. I've got I, some really favorites, but it's like, this is like an MSD 3K movie. I'm not going to give it a five, but I watched it more than any others this year. So, you know. Yeah, man, I was so on board for all the kills. I thought the the gore and the violence in that movie was top freaking notch. It was amazing. Yeah, I really liked all that. And if you've ever, if anyone out there has ever seen the Bunny Man Massacre movies, yes. um, I believe the second one. There's a scene where the killer with a chainsaw walks onto a On school a bus. bus full of kids, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what is shown in that movie is ultimately disappointing. Yeah. This movie delivers on what that scene in the, in the, the Bunny Man 2 could have been. Yeah, but those were kids, you know. I know. It's and I love he likes. I love killing them kids. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but yeah, we so we've all seen that. Is there anything else you guys have been intaking horror-wise, Mark? Anything you got? Um, it was a full moon the other night, so I hit up a new werewolf movie, it's the Night of the Howling Beast, or otherwise the Werewolf and the Yeti. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. It's this um Paul Nashi. He's a Spanish director writer he's been in so many horror uh werewolf films and uh i've been trying to go through him he's like valdemir daninsky is his character and he's just in a ton of them so um yeah i've been i watch a werewolf movie every full moon at least one and then i try to uh so i've got a that's about a dozen a year so i get a long list so i've got a whole bunch of stuff to check off but i've seen a bunch now that's awesome, man. I never thought about doing that. I, I and I, I really should because I really I, I watch the Friday the 13th franchise every Friday the 13th, even if there's yes. even if there's like three a year. I will take off work and mm -hmm. watch those movies. So but yeah, full moon. I never thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, I no, I love that kind of watching. And because of Valentine's Day recently, I I hit up um some Valentine's Day movies. Hospital Dang. Massacre, that was a new one that I hadn't seen before. 1981 slasher. Which is funny because that's when my bloody Valentine came out too, 1981. I need to watch that. Yeah, Hospital it's not as good. Massacre. Yeah, Hospital Massacre. Sometimes it's called X-ray. It's got an alternative <laughs> title. It was on Paramount when I watched it. So it might have been on Tubi as well. It's 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 no my bloody Valentine, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. 
it's Ashley. It's funny that you were making a note about that because I was also making a note about that. <laughs> like, sounds like something I'd like. Same. You can find it on my letterbox diary if you want. I will be checking that out. The link. Um, yeah. So that's me. That's what I've been. I also watched the Joe Bob special. Oh yeah, that was good stuff, man. <laughs> Frank and Hooker. <laughs> I just like how <laughs> that movie. Like at the end, she got him back. She's like, now you're stuck in this weird ass body. Yeah. Um, not horror, but you know, it, it, Hooker related, I guess. <laughs> um, me, me, and Dominic had to go to Home Depot to buy some. Uh, some stuff. <laughs> oh boy. Um, and we go because I, I needed some stuff for a project I'm doing. And we go in, we buy some stuff, we come out, and then Dominic sees sees like the line of sheds lined up, um, like display sheds in the parking lot. So he says, Can we go to the sheds? And I'm like, Okay, we got some time to kill. So we're going over there. As we look at the last shed, I'm like, Oh, son of a bitch. I gotta we gotta go back in. He said, Why? I said, because I, I need some hooks for the pegboard wall. And he's like, you need hookers? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 not hookers, <laughs> hooks. Do so not he's say like, that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, hookers. <laughs> I'm like, no, again, not that. So the whole, <laughs> but he's, he found it so funny that I was like, not, not hookers. The whole time he was singing like the Pokemon theme, but he's like, I want to be the hooker's best that no one ever was. And then we finally get to the pegboard wall. He's like, all right, daddy, go get, get your hookers. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, Dominic, for the last time, hookers are different than hooks. We're buying hooks. I don't need hookers. This guy three feet away from me gave me the dirtiest look. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, Kids say the darndest things. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. But you know, Frank and Hooker just made made that come to my mind. Um, as far as stuff that I've been ingesting recently, horror wise, uh, I also watched a little bit of Valentine's Day horror. I watched Valentine with David Boreanaz. Uh, a lot did, didn't hold up. I found a lot of people in that movie, a lot of those characters grating, especially Denise Richards' character. Um, in fact, the only person i liked in the entire movie was david borealis's character and well i don't know if we're supposed to like him towards the end but i did oh, i've well. never seen that movie when you say it didn't hold up have you seen it before oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah gotcha i remember liking it um it's on it's on shutter right now ashley yeah it's a it's a fun like in the vein of scream type horror movie so you probably won't like it Maybe not. Yeah. I, like, I could watch Scream, but I just, I don't fan over it. Oh, I'll fan over it, baby. You got to watch it around Valentine's Day. Yeah. You missed your chance. Yeah. And speaking of Valentine's, yeah. Speaking of Valentine's Day, I want to shout out my lovely <laughs> wife. Um, thank you. I love you. You are amazing. I know it's past Valentine's Day when you hear this, but. I love you with all my soul. Oh and my you're God. you're the best person in the world. <laughs> oh, I got uh, yeah. No, she listens to the episode. Okay. I got uh, my anniversary is coming up, so you're in for a tirade of emotions for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I watched the movies for the episode. I also recently watched a movie that our buddy Michael on Twitter recommended, called "I Am a Ghost," 
it's a it's a real quick movie like 70 plus minutes long and it's uh, essentially a one a one woman show about uh, a woman who is a ghost and she's trying to figure out why she is forced to haunt her former house and this woman who is contacting her this this through a, another plane of existence you know through the living world is trying to help her cross over and you find out some stuff about her past about this woman this ghost um, story how she died it's a slow burn but it's very atmospheric it's very emotional um doesn't treat uh, mental illness the best but it is really good i thoroughly enjoyed the movie at one point i was just whoo i was getting goosebumps in it man it, it's really really good it's on shutter right now thank you michael for the suggestion thoroughly enjoyed it man. what was it called i am a ghost oh it sounds a lot like a ghost story uh i thought it sounded like haunter if you've ever, if anyone's ever seen that no no I will try to watch that too. Awesome. Now for some stuff that no one will enjoy except me. Um, I recently finished two oh. books. One called The Night Stalkers by, it was a co-writing project by authors Christopher Triana, Triana and Ryan Harding. And that book is about a grocery store who is being run out of business by, I think the grocery store is Freshway and their rival grocery store, Devil's Food, is um, trying to run them out of business. And over a overnight shift at Freshway, Devil's Food lays siege on the building with the intent of slaughtering everyone inside and things get dark. It is a very graphically violent book hilarious like it's it's a as dark and as graphically violent as it is it's also really really funny it's hilarious hmm. um but there is like a woman who is pregnant that just gets slaughtered with a drill Oops. like an, a, an electric drill it's it's, <laughs> it's a really hard scene it's a really hard woo, thing to read but um as gross as that book is, one that was that played it, uh, another book that just played it absolutely seriously is a book called Dead Inside by Chandler Morrison. And it's about a security guard at a hospital who, let's say, prefers the company of dead women, <laughs> um, strikes up a friendship with a doctor who has an unstoppable habit of cannibalizing dead children um like babies okay dead, dead babies and their worlds collide when they realize what each other are and at one point i'm oh i'm not even going to say what it is but <laughs> things take a turn when both of their worlds collide the dead babies the dead girls and a lot of explicit sex just happens to culminate in something absolutely brutal. So, yeah. Both of those were really intense reads. And uh, I honestly recommend both of them. Again, Look at my face. Yeah. It's red. Like again, I just caught fire. I know. I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, again, that's The Night Stalkers and Dead Inside. And I'm currently reading a book called Genital Grinder. 
god. It's exactly what it is. That it sounds, it sounds like a like. 90s grunge band. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a band called Penis Flytrap. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of them. I just know that the band exists. Um, but that's kind of what I've been doing lately. Whoo! Yeah, those books are hard to read. Every now and then I'll read, I'll be reading a book at work, and one of my coworkers will say, Hey, what are you reading? I'm like, Oh, you won't, you don't, you don't want to know what I'm reading. <laughs> I'm sorry. But you all can know what I'm reading, so I'm also sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that that's out of the way, we can move on to the episode proper. The shining and the uh, sorry, Mark. What what would you rate the shining? Uh, five out of five or ten out of ten. Oh, that's too high, sir. Too high. <laughs> I watched it in college, and literally, I was watching on my computer with headphones on, and um, just towards the end, where she runs upstairs and the guys and masks are going down on each other and stuff. I literally just stood up and I was watching it. I just, I just remember just standing. I just, I couldn't sit anymore. I had to stand to experience that ending. Um, really? Yeah. It was crazy to me. Hmm. It was totally involuntary reaction. I just remember being like, what? I just stood up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I get why people like it, but not, not for me. Yeah. Well, I never read the book. I liked it before I read the book See? or saw the miniseries. The less you know. The miniseries. Oh, my God. No. The miniseries is amazing, and I love it. But this is not this is not a rehash of the last episode. I just wanted Mark's opinion and rating on The Shining. So yeah. we are going to be covering what movies again? James Whale's Universal movies, the ones that he directed for Universal Horror. He had four Universal Horror films. And the first one he did was Frankenstein, which is my favorite movie of all time. Um, yeah, and then after that, he directed some other stuff, but he, uh, he also directed um, The Old Dark House, The Invisible Man, and then The Bride of Frankenstein. And th that was his Universal, those were his horror movies. He directed some other stuff for Universal too. Man, and honestly, these four movies are freaking. Well, we'll get into that. Well, we're going to start off the conversation by talking about Frankenstein. Um, if, well, Mark, since this is your favorite movie of all time, will you give us a quick synopsis of it? Uh, sure. But before I do that, can I just talk a little bit about James Whale? Yeah. Cool. Let's set him up a little. Oh, Ashley has the um, Frankenstein NECA. Yep. Toys. That's right. Yeah, in the box, keeping it mint. Yeah, I uh, never take them out of the box. It's uh, awesome. Um, so he was born in Dudley, uh, England, and uh, in 1889. So we're talking old. So we're not going to get a lot of comments on this episode because people don't comment so much about the old stuff. But, um, but that's important to note because he just a lot of his cast is English, and he was just quite the English person, but he, in Dudley, it wasn't his, he came from like poverty, basically. I, th and, uh, he did attend an art school while he was in, and he did a lot of drawing and painting. So he had a good art eye. Um, so kind of like you, Raul is artistic. Um, and then he eventually went into world war one. I. I think he volunteered cause he knew he was going to be consigned. And so he was a prisoner in world war one. They captured him and, in his prisoner camp, I think it was like a camp for like 
higher up military guys and they would do plays. So he kind of discovered the love for plays while in world war one prison camp. Um, and then, so when he got out, he started directing uh, on theater and he had this one um, 1928 play called journey's end. And uh, it was really successful. And then he came over and he did it on Broadway. And then uh, he came over and he did it as a movie on the West Coast. I was for um, Tiffany Films. And uh, he was kind of blown, blown away by how much money he could be make doing movies in Hollywood. So he kind of, he stuck around there. Um, he found a partner around that time, David Lewis, who was a producer. I think for RKO and something else, I forget exactly. Um, so he was openly gay, uh, which wasn't easy to do at that time. And uh, Universal, after seeing the, he did two films and then Universal basically hired him for five films. And uh, he directed this one called Waterloo Bridge. And it was critical, popular success. And so they kind of gave him a choice and they said, you can do any movie you want. And uh, I think he looked through about 30 movies and they had recently acquired the rights to the um, Frankenstein play ad adaptation. And that's the one he chose. So, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a little bit of background <laughs> on him. But yeah, Frankenstein, I actually, I actually wrote a synopsis. So I've got one I can share. Dr. Henry Frankenstein is living in a tower outside Goldstadt, trying to make a human body and endow it with life. Frankenstein and his lab assistant, Fritz, rob a grave and a gallows for body parts. Fritz also steals an abnormal brain from Goldstadt Medical School. Frankenstein's fiance, Elizabeth, his friend, Victor, and his father, Baron von Frankenstein, are becoming increasingly worried about Henry's mental and physical health. Along with Henry's old school teacher, Dr. Waldman, they go to the tower where they are just in time to see the completion of his experiment. He has indeed brought life to the body or monster. As Fritz bullies the monster, he becomes violent and eventually kills Fritz. Henry and Dr. Waldman drug the monster, but Henry collapses in exhaustion and is taken home. As he is on the mend, Henry and Elizabeth make plans for the wedding. Dr. Waldman is going to dissect and destroy the monster, but the monster wakes in time to kill Dr. Waldman. He escapes to the countryside where he befriends a little girl, Maria, but accidentally drowns her. The monster crashes into Elizabeth's room on their wedding day. Henry and the angry villagers form a mob and go after the monster. They trap him in a windmill and set fire to it. Everyone is relieved. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That's, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a, a very, very detailed synopsis. <laughs> Yeah, that was more detailed. I did a couple other ones, but they're much shorter. But you did yeah. other ones? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even take notes. That's okay. Yes. So I, there's like a lot I want to say about this movie, but sure. Well, we got the plot out of the way. Like the whole plot's out of the way. So, like, you could immediately see that um, Dr. Franken's is he a doctor or is he just. Yeah. Actually, that's a really good question. He was kicked out of the school. He never yeah, really that's finished. What else. <laughs> yeah. Let's just call him Henry. Henry, you could kind of tell he was losing it pretty on, early on because, like, one of the first things he says is, like, when they're, like, digging up the graves and such, 
he's like he's just resting waiting for a new life to come so like super early in the movie he's already gone like mentally in my opinion yeah i mean previously he was in that college and he they kind of dr Waldman, when he's talking about him he's saying he basically says yeah henry was into stuff that we weren't into like he, <laughs> he knew that he's trying to reanimate yeah. life and yeah. he had done it previously he says with like small animals and kept yeah. a human heart he's he's really focused it's like obsession yeah. yeah but also that 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 other doctor who's his uh, professor like he it seems like he knows that henry is dangerous mm-hmm. because of what he knows because of what it, uh, of, of henry's goals and what he's able to accomplish like he knows that that's going to lead to trouble yeah yeah especially there was a line in the movie and like you guys may remember i read about it and it was basically like i've done it i'm god like paraphrasing whatever he said and they made them take it out because oh it, it's, it's right at the uh yeah it was right at when when the monster comes to life and he's like it's alive it's alive yeah, yes. um, he says, uh, "Now I know what it feels like." Feels to like be to God. be God. Yeah. Yeah. So there were earlier versions where they made them take that out for release because, yeah. like back then, that like you just couldn't say those things. That and when he drowns a little girl were the two scenes that got censored. Yeah. <laughs> and this was pre-code, so they weren't really heavy on censoring stuff. But um, I think there was pressure from just regions, like de- depending on the state. Sometimes they would want they wouldn't show something depending on who was on the board or the movie. So in order to sell it, sometimes Universal had to acquiesce and get rid of some stuff. Yeah. Which really sucks because I think that's a great line. That oh, is a great amazing. line. And it yeah. explains so much about his motivation. Like mm-hmm. to me, like his biggest thrill and even in The Bride, which we'll talk about later, like his big thing was like, I am a god. Like I did this. And so like for them to have taken it out during the early showings, I don't know how that would have made much sense to the viewer like if they were really getting across what they intended to get across, but yeah. I just thought that was interesting that like the religious hold back then was so was such that you couldn't even like say that in a fictional film. Yeah, and the, and they were getting it wrong. I mean, the the scary part, like Raul was saying, was they were he was scary because he started having this god complex. Like he was yeah. so obsessed with that. Uh, some people yeah. talk take that reading as um, he's trying to create life without f- female. So because um, James Whale is gay, that he it really appealed to him the story of Frankenstein, where um, you know like kind of dealing with uh creating life without a female just men just in uh creating Mm -hmm. life scientifically um kind of as a perversion i can definitely see that but i also didn't know james wall was gay so man that's really interesting oh boy raul we got lots to talk about (laughs) this is a huge like universal horror is a huge huge blind spot for me yeah he was openly gay and like i said living with somebody there's some other stuff i'll bring up later but yeah i mean good on him he, I think because he was in Europe, he got to see a lot of German films. So this movie really, Frankenstein helped define the horror genre really in America. And it's filled with, everybody <laughs> calls it German expressionism. 
mm-hmm. really it's based off the it's expressionism, which is um, I don't know if, if people don't know, it's like you don't have to make your movie realistic, but you can make choices to show emotions or to show to make the person feel a certain way. So like a lot of his shots, they'll do a lot of Dutch angles. So they'll tilt the camera one way. That's not realistic. Like, why would that happen? Well, that's just to make the viewer feel funny. Um, Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of the things, the angles are different, but he was watching a lot of these films. Um, The Man Who Laughs, the Gollum trilogy, um, Hands of Orlock. He said he watched Dr. Cabinet, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari just continually uh, repeatedly until while preparing for Frankenstein. So he was taking all these influences and they have just a bunch of crazy shadows, creepy doors, nothing's at the correct angle. So it puts you at a kind of uneasy viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what the expressionism. So when people are like saying, Oh, German expressionism is so cool. And that's one of the things that just always appealed to me as a kid. Um, I just love the sets and, uh, his filmmaking technique. So he's, he's doing stuff that's not realistic in order to express feelings and emotion to get the story across. Man, I don't even know what to say to that. That was too damn smart for me to follow up with anything of my own. (laughs) I think that's why I really like his filmmaking because like a lot of times when I'm watching something, I have to be like, I have to feel a certain way. Like, I can't explain this. I don't know how to explain it, but it has to make me feel a certain way. And his movies always do that through, I guess, the way it shot, like exactly what you were just explaining. And I never thought of it that way before, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So horror movies that followed in America, he was he was defining the genre in some ways. It was so early and we didn't really yeah. have a lot of horror movies. There was a Frankenstein in 1910, Thomas Edison did um, for the Edison company, but it's kind of a short film and it's very different. I've never now, is, seen that. I'm sure it's public domain. You can check it out on YouTube. Now, now, Mark, you might know the answer to this, but is this the first movie to kill a child on screen? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I know M came out the same year, but that was off-screen stuff, but that was a lot of child. As soon as they killed that kid on the screen, well, with the rewatch, of course I've seen this a thousand times. I was like, that's what Raul's going to like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we like what we like. I'm just saying. I do love how atmospheric everything is, even from the shots of the... Um, like 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 uh, the, the the cemetery where they're collecting the bodies, and they cut down that guy hanging from the gallows, mm-hmm. and whatnot. You can tell that they both of them collectively are crazy. They're just crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're just starting off with the dead. They're just hanging out where all the dead people are, um, and they mention that when we get to bride. But mm-hmm. yeah, and they're just trying to. Here's my question to you. Are they crazy or are they just scientists? Because I work Oh, here we go again. Ashley's defending this, the crazy scientists. <laughs> are they crazy or are they just scientists? <laughs> I think there's definitely an obsession going on. There's I mean, obsession, he's geni- yeah. He's genius, but he's at, at everything. I mean, he's putting <clears throat> off his wedding and all types of things to to get this that is 100 what scientists still do to this day 
their work that, becomes their obsession. Right, it doesn't make it right, but look how... <laughs> I don't know, I'm going to get fired or something because they're going to be like, you're not going to really <laughs> keep them in check, are you? Because we had the most advances when we weren't keeping these people on a freaking leash. Ah, interesting. Now there's a lot of... Uh... Like red tape to go through for your experiments of, and funding and yeah, there's a lot of red tape and reporting and reporting to people like me who are like overseeing what they're doing, making sure they're not taking bodies from graves because that is a real thing. Mm -hmm. They would steal people's pets. Like mm -hmm. yeah. this is like. <clears throat> We want to yeah, look at him and be like, oh, he's standing outside of graves to take bodies. That's that's crazy behavior, but that's things that they really did do. Yeah, that's a great point, Ashley. Like there was a lot of um people were scared around, I guess, yeah, your earlier turn of the century, because there was a lot of body robbing because they were trying to advance sciences and they wanted to dissect people and learn yeah. stuff, but they just couldn't get the bodies. Is there's right. a great with Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi movie called The Body Snatcher. And it's based on true stories. It's also based on a book. But um, yeah, that's there's yeah. a couple body snatching movies from around that time. Yeah, it was a, just a thing that happened because you had people very passionate about their subject matter. Yeah, and you could pay <laughs> if you gave the right price. Some Some shady guys could find you a fresh body if you really need it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah be because you know wasn't what it, I mean. yeah wasn't it like uh the only bodies that you were allowed to exhume <laughs> were those of criminals maybe yeah there were these two guys named burke and Hare, and they actually started killing people off to get yeah the bodies for, yeah. yeah and they started selling the the bodies to medical schools uh mm -hmm. for under the table money and they i mean they got caught because they were just spending this money like very yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. They're making a show of how much money they had, even though they didn't have jobs. Their their job was murder. Yeah, <clears throat> and murder and work was good. Well, <laughs> uh, he well knew Colin Clive, Doctor Frankenstein. It says actually, I looked it up. Ashley, that's how he's credited, Doctor Henry Frankenstein. Doctor, that's what but, I thought, and then I was like, but yeah, it doesn't make. Yeah, that's interesting because it doesn't make sense that he <laughs> he didn't quite make it through school. Unless he was doing postdoc classes or something. Yeah, he could have been a postdoc. But he was a heavy drinker, Colin Clive. And he was also, um, it's rumored that he was bisexual or some type of not heteronormative. And uh, he he was English. Once again, totally English. Like all of these people, he loved, um, like they would have tea time on set. And uh, Boris Karloff, he, um, he was English, so... They kind of all got along. But yeah, Colin Clive was in Journey's End, the play that he did earlier that um, did really well. So that's why he wanted to bring him in. Colin Clive eventually, he died at, in 1937. So he'll die like six years after Frankenstein. He'll be around for Bride of Frankenstein, but he dies of complications from tuberculosis, but he pretty much drank himself to death. Yeah, and He was closeted. He did not come out like James Whale. He wasn't living with anybody. They said that something like they think his drinking problem stemmed from the fact that he wanted to go in the armed forces and then he had an accident and he like messed up his leg or something really bad and he couldn't do it. 
So then his fallback was acting, which I think he did a really great job at, but he just wasn't happy. Oh, what a fallback. I love it. The It's a live scene you're talking about, Raul. Just so good. That's like one of my favorite scenes in all movies. Absolutely. And you know, uh, one of my favorite scenes, because this was a first time watch for me. I was just going to ask you. Yeah. Did that have an impact? Wait. Um, <laughs> don't shame them, Ashley. There's so I'm many people out there them. that aren't watching black and white <laughs> movies. I get it. I'm just... <laughs> I like I'm not shaming you at all. I wish I could be you. Oh yeah. Like to experience this for the first time right now. You want to you want to be a 55 five Mexican? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's switch. But Sweet. yeah, what was that, what was that like for a first time watch for you? And you can say negative was... stuff. You won't offend me. No, I mean, I I could say some negative stuff when I get to old dark house. Honestly, I didn't really like that one as much i i I didn't dislike it but out of the four movies we watched it was probably my least favorite um Mm -hmm. but for frankenstein i knew the story and i knew kind of the beats and whatnot the details i didn't know and it was really awesome like knowing the details and i've I've always known like oh fire bad and whatnot but i didn't even know that the monster didn't have a voice at all in this first movie um and when they are trying to restrain him and whatnot. I just felt so bad for him because I'm like, this guy doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't even know what he is. He's mm-hmm. like a baby that was just born. He doesn't know his own strength. He doesn't know anything. And, th- and because of his strength, these guys are just beating the shit out of him. Yeah. And he's yeah. like crying. Mm-hmm. It was honestly heartbreaking. I was, I, I felt so bad for the monster. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a, earlier more sympathetic monster i feel like that's another thing that whale brought uh, i mean it's in the book and everything but um but yeah to put it on screen the way that he did it and karloff i mean a lot of that goes to karloff and his acting when his childlike reactions to like seeing the little girl with the flowers and like just mm-hmm. yeah. seeing the light come in for the first time and the way he reaches for it it's um amazing. I- yeah, I, I didn't know about that scene when he reaches for that light and he's trying to grab it. I'm like, that's fucking beautiful. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Like, I, I would never have thought to do that. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. His hands were very expressive, Karloff's hands. Yeah. And it, it's so hard to emote when you're covered in that much like facial prosthetics. Yes. And, and, and you can't talk. And he does so <laughs> amazingly in this role expressing himself through body action through a simple smile through through like like uh, clapping his hands joyously or or just everything he does is over the top when he's like backing away from a tiny little flicker it's like that thing is instant death and he's tripping over everything trying to get away it's almost cartoonish but it's not because you just you're sympathizing with him so damn much it's beautiful yeah he um so there's a story it's just a story that james whale saw him at the commissary and wanted him for his look um but from what i've heard from other sources people are more think that it was just his partner david lewis uh saw him in other movies um, mm-hmm. he, he was in like 80 movies up to this point this he was 44 i think when he's when he did frankenstein so he, this was later on and uh he uh it just started his career mm-hmm. yeah 
man can, can we talk about the the change between like the parting in the streets and this 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 son of the house of frankenstein and his wedding to elizabeth and all that one everyone's dancing everyone's having a freaking ball and then when the father is just walking through the middle of the streets carrying his dead daughter yeah Maria. like i yeah i i always joke around how much i love seeing kids die on the screen but this one for how little you see of the actual death and how much of you see of the aftermath it was heart-wrenching yeah. it was so sad yeah it's such a difference from the celebration like you said and then as he walk as he's walking through to the town square and they're celebrating this wedding and it's just getting quiet as people turn and see like he's carrying this dead child through yeah the town and but and it's as the impetus for a uh for a mob for an angry mob mm -hmm. karloff didn't want to do it karloff did not want to kill her um he just thought it was too much and whale is the one who insisted on it and i love it i don't like to go against karloff but you know <laughs> Well, I, I loved it too. I thought that was absolutely perfect because it really demonstrated just the childlike nature of, of, of the monster. Mm -hmm. I thought it was beautiful. And the fact that as the father's, you know, walking down the, the, these cobblestone streets holding his dead daughter, everything changes. And he essentially is just bringing behind him a parade of death. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And I think then it's I think it's one of the first angry mob scenes too, uh, <clears throat> at least with torches and stuff and going after that becomes a staple in the universal, and it's been you know mimicked since then. But um, yeah, I've mimicked heavily in in movies, especially like uh, like an, a, a really hard homage to really obvious homage to it was uh, uh, Tim Burton's Frankenweenie. Yeah, I love that movie too. Yeah, it's a good one. That's well, that's a great re-adaptation of this work. And Tim Burton is doing the same thing with um, uh, the German expressionism. When you watch his movies, the way that things are shaped and mm -hmm. that's, that's the look. It's not realistic. Nightmare Before Christmas does not look like a real place, but no. it looks awesome. Uh, Ash Ashley, what are, you, what are your thoughts? What's something you want to talk about about this movie? I feel like I'm taking a lot of this conversation. No, you're good. Um, one thing I wrote was I think Fritz is the true antagonist of the movie because he is the one who pushed the monster far enough to act out and then just kept doing it and like agitated to the point he didn't know what to do with his emotions. So, like, if anyone is to blame for any of the things that are happening after they've created him, I think he's it. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Big, a big one. I mean, he was getting off by beating the hell out of the monster yeah. and scaring the yeah. hell out of him with the torch. Yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. glad he died. It's fast. I mean, that's another read is just like the creator creates you. Like he's, he knows what it feels like to be God. And then he doesn't, he doesn't know what to do with that. He doesn't do a good job. Like Frankenstein, like Henry, he doesn't, I mean, he should have told Fritz to stop or got somebody else or whatever, but he doesn't, he had no plan as far as I know 
after creating the life, what to do with the life. And that's, that's <laughs> yeah. a huge, that's a huge issue. <laughs> he didn't yeah. think about that part. Like, what are we going to do with my discovery after I've gotten the results I want? Like, yeah. what do we do with this now? Yeah. There's he, no he plan. Was, he was so focused on getting to that goal. He was completely blind as to what kind came after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or the long lasting effects of reaching that goal would be. I think a lot of it, I think a lot of the appeal to whale was just the story of being an outsider and just um, having angry mobs after you <laughs> or different, th- being misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that could go back to how he felt um, just about his sexuality, about his station in life. Like I said, he came from a poor kind of place in England. and But then he tr- he he changed his accent. He kind of became like a English gentleman over time. And uh, so he, there were things he was trying to get over in his, in his time. I, I think that um, the, the idea of not being in society, being around society, but not being a member of society, being an outcast, being on the fringe thereof, you know, uh, I think I, I don't want to speak for you, Ashley, but I mean, if I had seen this movie more when I was uh, in my high school emo days, I would have loved this movie so damn much. I would I would have related hardcore to this movie, and I still do to a point. But you know, knowing knowing the kind of person I was, you know, at fifteen, sixteen, it would have been much more relatable back then. When did you first watch it, Ashley? I had to be super young like under five years old <laughs> okay. probably i saw it in elementary school but it was my choice so i was a little older my mother did not filter anything that was shown to me and all she did was watch horror movies so that's all i did that's so cool <laughs> yeah i mean i dig it that's fine oh. yeah I'm, I'm trying to get dominic to watch as many horror movies as possible so i i understand yeah. Um, in fact, he did watch the end of the Invisible Man with me, and I'll I'll talk about that when we get to it. But um, I'm kind of out of things to say for Frankenstein, other than the fact that this is just an amazing movie, and I really wish I had not waited until I was 33 freaking years old to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was super successful, and uh, because of that success, they basically said you can choose whatever you want to do next, and. Um, he chose the old dark house, which was uh, based on a book called the Benighted. Um, I got a quicker synopsis for it. If you want to hear it. Well, yeah, we're going to get into the, the old dark house here in a second, but before we move on, let's rate Frankenstein. Oh, that's right. I forgot about ratings. Yeah. Mark as our guest, uh, would you do us the honors of giving the first rating? Sure. It's a 10, 10 out of 10, 10 flowers out of 10. And would you say, I mean, it's a dumb question, but would you recommend buy a buy? See, I would, I would totally, but I understand if, if you don't have the palate to watch like old movies and stuff, wait till you can see it. Maybe, you know, if you don't own black and white movies and you're not going to watch it again, I get that too. Uh, it's, it's a blind spot for a lot of people and you know, that's fine. If you can see it in a movie theater, that's pretty cool. That I would, would be love to freaking do that. I saw oh. Ride, but I and I saw this one. That would be amazing. If if we can ever do like a meetup for Headlong into Monsters, wherever that is, I recommend we rent a movie theater, 
and we we watched this movie. Sweet. I'm there. Yes. We didn't talk about the opening to this movie. Oh, Ashley, talk about it then as you give your closing thoughts about the movie. Okay, fine. I'll say two last things. (laughs) (laughs) The opening to this movie is like the chef's kiss to me of this movie. And I didn't write it all down, but just the we've warned you and like menacingly walking off the stage like... I had to explain to Caroline that back then, like, this was actually scary to people. And, like, this truly would have frightened them, (laughs) the themes in this movie. And just the fact that they did that beforehand just sets, like, the perfect tone to me. I loved it. Yeah, Edward Edward Van Sloan, who plays Dr. Waldman, he's the one that comes out and kind of gives the warning. He's also Van Helsing from... um, Dracula, Dracula that was released on February 14th that same year. I think this I did was not even put that together. That's amazing. Yeah, so he was kind of like the yeah, and and you're right, it does kind of set the tone. It's it's very very yeah. fun. The Simpsons parodied that in their first Treehouse of Horrors. I was about to say yeah. that it it, mm-hmm. it 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 was a homage. The the Simpsons has been homaging that for years. Yeah, yes. I've got this uh, board game called Horrified, and it's the Universal Monsters. And when you open up the box, mm-hmm. it's that speech on the back of the board game, the first thing you see. Yes, I have that game. I've not played it. Ashley, you can play it by yourself. It's a one-person to, like, six-people really? game or something. Yeah, so. Oh, wow. Okay. You don't have to wait for friends. <laughs> <laughs> Good, because I don't have any. No. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't play board games for that reason. I don't have friends. <laughs> it's really have, fun. This is a good one. I have corpse. He's my friend. What's your um, second thing? <laughs> my second thing is Victor was totally trying to swoop in and take Elizabeth away from Henry. Mm-hmm. I put Victor, still your girl. What was his last name? Mortis something. I just had like he was hoping like this the the monster or hoping he would go stark raving mad so he could have Elizabeth like I just saw that like love triangle happening it didn't really go anywhere but it was happening yeah she shuts him down (laughs) she she says like I'm fond of you and he's like I wish you were yeah Victor no (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that was good I like that she friends him okay so my rating is 10 of 10 burning windmills. Yes. And own it on every platform that you can and tattoo it on your body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Quartz has, like, he's in the middle of a tattoo. So he's got the, the laboratory, the castle going right now on his oh, forearm. Awesome. Yeah, and it looks pretty sick. Gonna That's... link to a, a Frankenstein portrait. Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, I'm gonna give this a 10 out of 10 drowned little girls. <laughs> <laughs> and I also say bye. I don't care if you don't like black and white movies. I don't care if you're adverse to older movies. This is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. 
like first time watch movies that I've like one of the best first time watch movies I've seen in a long long time, despite knowing the story, despite knowing the beats, it still shook me uh, just how good this movie is. And we're, we're coming up on almost uh, we're close to closing that the hundred year gap for this movie. Yeah. So that's freaking, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're nine years away. Real close, man. Um, the fact that this movie is almost a hundred years old and it, and can still have that effect on first time viewers is amazing. I cannot wait until my son is just a little bit older and I can show him these movies. Cause I think they're, they are a great introduction, uh, to the horror genre, whether you're what, regardless of age, regardless of preference, they're just amazing stories. And I feel like everyone needs to experience this movie. It's it's amazing. So buy it. So with that, we're going to move on to our discussion of Old Dark House. Um, Ashley, do you want to give us a synopsis for this one? Oh, let me do it. I got a quick, quick one. Oh, that's right. That's right, Mark. I'm so sorry. A rainy night forces five travelers to seek shelter at an old dark house where the Femme family resides. The Femme family seems odd and perhaps dangerous. As the night continues, the travelers begin to feel unsafe as they learn more about the Femmes and their family secrets. Morgan, the butler, gets drunk and releases the older brother, Saul Femme, from a locked room. Saul attempts to kill one of the travelers with a knife and burn the house down. In the struggle, they fall from a second story and Saul dies. Everyone recovers through the night and they're relieved when the sun comes up. Yes. Man, you need to work for IMDb, dude. Like, holy balls. I wanted to give kind of the, I know it's spoilery, all the, your reviews. So I just wanted to give the overview so that we can hit the plot points and then discuss whatever. I, I'm, there's so much to discuss in all these movies. I'm trying to keep mostly to like kind of whale stuff, but yeah, know, themes and all types of things. It's, it's, you could, you could do hours and hours on each one. Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, we're not going to do the uh, the LOTC route and do That's five fine. hours here. We're, we're we got to limit we got to limit it just a little bit. But keeping focused, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is really off brand for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying. This was going to come out uh, for Halloween. It was released October twentieth, nineteen thirty-two. So it was the Halloween film for that time. It is so English. Like everything that's like, they make English jokes. Um, the cast is super English and it did really well in England. It did not do as well here in the United States. The The dialogue is very dapper, very quick. Just, just, it moves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very witty. We can bring up Titanic again because Gloria Stewart is in this movie. Gloria Stewart is the old woman in Titanic. And uh, she's the one that changes in this movie. She changes into the gown. Oh my god! Oh, she's yep. the blonde. Yep, she's the old woman from Titanic. What? She's very cool. I have this cool quote. Sorry, I don't want to just keep reading, but I've got this cool quote from her. She says, "So on one side of the set, they had their eleven C's and four C's, which are basically like tea time." And she said, "And Melvin Douglas and I would be sitting together, not invited." And one day Melvin said to me, are you interested in forming a union together? And I said, what's a union? And he said, like in New York, the actors equity, uh, the actors get together and work for better conditions. Um, and she was all about it. So she was feeling the Britishness a little bit 
but James Whale liked her. He uses her again in some other stuff. But this is also interesting because this was happening at the time and I know a lot of whale sets um, where they start the Screen Actors Guild. She was one of the founders of it. Um, and Boris Karloff was too. So these people were kind of getting ready for this. And Boris got totally abused and a little bit by Whale. Uh, like Whale made him do some stuff that really ruined his back. Um, he was kind of a hard ass. Yes. He could be Whale. Like, are you talking about stuff in this movie? Because at one point he straight falls off a second story landing yeah. on, onto the floor. And it looks like he fell and kind of tacoed his back out. And I'm like, holy shit, that must have really hurt. Yeah, it was mostly carrying Colin Clive and Frankenstein. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, who? Yeah, it, I don't know tough. if it was actually Boris Karloff that fell off of that second landing, or maybe there's a stunt double or something like that. But whoever fell off that landing, like they hurt themselves. That look. I don't looked know if he hard. did that or not. Yeah. I'm trying to look, but well, he did look really menacing in this movie. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There's a version that I saw, um, not the one that I watched recently, but there's a version that I watched where there's a disclaimer that says in the credits, um, just to let you know, the Boris Karloff from, from Frankenstein is playing Morgan, the butler in this movie. We just wanted to say, because you'll probably have no idea it's the same guy and it's a testament to his acting. Basically, this disclaimer. Um, <laughs> this is streaming on Shutter, so I'm not sure if it's in there. I didn't watch the Shutter version, but... I don't... I I, I watched the Shutter version and it's, it's not in there. The, okay. I, did I say Virgin? I watched the, the Shutter version. <laughs> you know, oddly enough, the first time I saw this, it was playing on Shutter TV. I had never seen it before, and this was several, several years ago. And like, I just fell in love with the atmosphere of the movie. Mm -hmm. Regardless of the content, like the scenery is just just gets me there just really like it i yeah. i thought it was like uh it, it honestly and i know this is retrofitting but it, it honestly reminded me of kind of a mix between like um oh what the hell the rocky horror picture show yeah, i think it was a literal influence on it it's a rainy and, night and they get stuck yeah and yeah. uh and house of a thousand corpses oh that is like immediately what i said i was like this has some real like House of a Thousand Corpses vibes yes. going on. Yeah. And grandpa being locked upstairs reminds me of Texas Chainsaw. Yes. Uh, this this is they this is cited as a genre defining type of movie. Mm -hmm. Like the old dark house. There was a couple before this, like Cat and Canary and stuff, but um yeah, this he was just like he was redefining things as he went. This is such a whale movie. There's so much more humor and dark comedy mm -hmm. put in there uh, than Frankenstein. Yeah, I was going to say, this one feels more like a horror comedy, if yeah. we were to classify that as such back then, than any of the other stuff. Yeah, maybe that's why maybe I didn't Bride, but... quite like, oh, I think there's the, at least in Bride, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. But uh, this movie, it did feel very comedy. It felt like there was mm -hmm. um, a lot of... Um, lines like quick lines very dapperly delivered quick wittedness of <laughs> dry british humor um maybe that's why i didn't really like it as much because i, I wasn't um i don't know I, I didn't really go into this with expectations but when i realized that that's what it was i was a little disappointed i'm like oh i was kind of hoping for something 
a little bit more serious. This is the last movie of the four we're going to talk about that I watched. And the others are pretty straight and very serious. Um, and this movie wasn't and i was kind of a little disappointed on that I'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying it wasn't for me at the time maybe if i watched mm-hmm. it uh rewatch it again without that expectation in mind knowing that it's going to be more comedic uh my rating on it might change as of right now my rating does reflect my current views though i personally think multiple watches helps this film uh even in my case um so charles lock Lawton is in this and uh he's he's kind of the bigger guy that's and uh he's he's very jokey right he does a lot of he um he's actually doing an accent he's kind of from more of a in england they'd call him like a northerner like a little lower class um and i think whale i think that's another thing that he really liked about it and uh, he made him pretty sympathetic as for like a, a kind of a goofy guy he, he gets a backstory and um and he actually kind of raises above his lower class to kind of spite some people that he thinks caused his wife's death. Um, so yeah, there's some stuff going on in there too, that I think appealed to whale, but I mean, it's pretty subversive too. too. There's lots of drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, this family is pretty messed up. I'm pretty sure there's some incest going on. <laughs> yeah. I got yeah. that vibe too. That was yeah. the, yeah, that was a pretty big vibe. And you can tell, like we already talked about, like this was a super big influence for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and House of a Thousand Corpses, mm-hmm. and both of those have some incest vibe to me. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like Rebecca Fem, the older woman, she she gets a little gosh in, into Gloria Stewart's character. She she like yeah. goes to touch her like on her chest a couple times, and she's talking about her fine clothes and her skin and how it'll eventually rot, but she gets, she's really freaking Gloria Stewart out. And then there's, and then Morgan tries to kind of go after her too. So yeah. And then some others go off drinking and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That really wanted them to get the fuck out of their house. Yeah. That was the running theme with her. Yeah. Yeah. Warning. And I I really love how self-contained the movie is. Um, because the other three are very like big elaborate sets. I mean, the invisible man, we get a whole train that just crashes, you know, but like everything is very big in the other three movies. And in this one is all single location, except for the you know opening bit with their, while they're driving on the road, but that's really dark and you don't know where it is. Um, but for the most part, this movie is all in the house, in the old dark house. And even then, it's a, it, at least for me, maybe I'm an idiot, but it was a little hard for me to geographically get my bearings as to where things are in the house. Maybe it's just labyrinthian or, or whatever the hell or it was meant to be. But it was really hard for me to figure out which, which rooms connect to what, you know? But even I, I thought that that was really cool. It added a sense of um, like a... Uh, maybe not claustrophobia, but disorientation Just to like the movie. The shining. No, let no. <laughs> Sorry, I said I'd stop doing that, and I didn't. <laughs> no, because this. But is no, a you good bring movie. up a great point, Raul, and it's very it, like it's like it could be a stage play. Like it's it's in mm-hmm. the house pretty much, and I like when they go outside and stuff, and the rain. There is that beginning scene where they're driving in and the there's a big mudslide behind them. All the hill kind of falls apart, but so they're stuck there. They don't really have a choice. 
Yeah, I I loved that man. It was it was really good. It, I I didn't. One thing I didn't really like was just the 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 interactions between the chorus girl, the the brunette one with the shorter hair. Yeah, and the other guy who they they just fall in love on a on the on the at the drop of a hat. Pendrel. They're gonna move into Pendrel. They're gonna move in together and have this beautiful life together. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like that was odd, but I don't know. Maybe I'm viewing it through a modern lens. I maybe just people were like, whatever. We only live till we're sixty. Let's let's <laughs> let's hammer this out now. <laughs> there was something about that at the time. Um, the old Universal films. I'm pretty sure even in Frankenstein, he was supposed to die in the end. But they but the first viewing, people were just irate that like they couldn't get married they just thought it was a bad movie because in the end he didn't get married to his beautiful fiance or whatever so mm -hmm. there yeah there were some things like it's a lot of the movies even in the 40s and 50s once the haze code is enforced it's like oh the movie's over this person i just met let's go get married or so many yes of abruptly <laughs> that way it's <laughs> ridiculous so modern lens or not it was kind of being enforced at that time Okay, so I don't feel too bad about it then, but yeah, it just it just felt odd and rushed to me. But I guess that I guess that was it was supposed to. I don't know. I thought weird. the same thing about it, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, I feel like Whale might not even care too much. He just kind of put that in and uh, just didn't worry too much. He spent most of his time on other stuff and not that, that relationship that was happening. I will say one of the best scenes in the movie, in in my opinion, was. Um, was uh, when when Saul gets out of the room, yeah. and uh, he's, he's he's very timid and mild at first. He's like, "Don't hurt me! I they they locked me in there. I've been in there for I don't know how many years, whatever." The, but he's so meek and mild and whatnot, and then just turns off the drop of a hat. Yes. Yeah. And he, he picks crazy. up that knife, like, oh man, he's like, "Flame is like fire. No, flame is like knives." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Flame is like fire. Good lord. Yeah, he is a pyromaniac. He reminds me of the the hitchhiker mm. in Texas Chainsaw Mask. Yes. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Um, so the old older father who's kind of stuck in bed is actually played by a female. So that's interesting that Will did that. It doesn't change her voice yes. or anything. It's 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 a little off putting at first. You're like, what it's is going on? <laughs> Caroline actually came to me because she sat through most of these watches with me. She was like, why does that woman have hair all over her face? That's weird. <laughs> I was like, I can't explain it. I thought the same thing. I'm like, that has to be a woman. Yeah. I think Gail is just playing around with a lot of sexuality stuff too in this. And then, and then they, uh, as they're leaving, they're like, we'll be back, sir, or something like that. Or they, they, they reference this individual as a sir. And I'm like, that's a dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a little he was the og of yeah he said playing with gender roles it's like it's like don mancini but in the 30s wow that's i like that that's cool <laughs> so one don of mancini the things like i was reading when i was watching this movie is that this movie basically caused james well and boris karloff to stop talking completely 
and caused Karloff a role in The Invisible Man because he refused, James Well refused to work with him in that movie. Mm. I don't know what the argument was about, but I just know that's why you're not going to be seeing Karloff in The Invisible Man. They picked someone else, although he wasn't like the one originally going to do it. Yeah, he was on board for a long time, but James Whale wasn't on board and it took a long time, the development of The Invisible Man. They wanted that to be the follow-up. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but um, to Frankenstein and or even Dracula at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I hadn't heard that that was like the place where they um, argued. I, I do know that Karloff in interviews and stuff, he was very nice and he didn't really say much about you know whale because it, clearly he had some abuse going on just as an actor and whales kind of um mm-hmm. but um i know charles lawton did not get along with karloff he's like one of the only people that ever was like i don't like that guy he's not cool pretty much everybody else that met karloff thought he was the greatest guy sweetest guy ever and uh yeah but charles lawton and charles lawton he's actually married to Elsa Lanchester, who we'll get to, and Bride of Frankenstein. So that's yeah. partly how Whale knew of her. And Charles Lawton, they also say, wasn't totally heterosexual. Oh. Man, you're I'm learning a lot of stuff tonight. That's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I was reading more about this. Okay, hold on. I don't know how true this is. But it says James well, it was Well. The, it was probably on the internet, so it has to be true. <laughs> Yeah, it was apparently touched upon in the movie Gods and Monsters, mm. 98. Yeah, yeah. There was more to their relationship than this is Karloff and Will. Like, they were more than just friends under the surface. Oh, yeah. I don't, and, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Apparently, if you watch the movie Gods and Monsters... There's a scene where there's like subtext. It's like, yeah, something's going on here. I haven't watched it in a long time. It's actually based off a book and mm-hmm. it's kind of biographical about whale. It's mostly about the end of his life. Um, but Mark, a lot I of just, it's fictional. I, I just realized, are you wearing a Frankenstein t shirt? Yeah. That looks way cool. Yeah. Where's and, that uh, from? My glasses, Frankenstein glasses. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. I also have Frankenstein socks on, but I don't what? Know get my leg up to the camera. Man, you're all decked out. That's cool. Yeah, I'm obsessed. I just, I just got a Michael Myers Halloween t shirt, but that's me. I love it. Who has that shirt? Nice. Did he also buy it at Walmart? Actually, or? so does Caroline. Yeah? Uh. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where we found it. Well, I think uh, if I had final thoughts or anything, I would, before we go on, we should mention Ernest Thessinger. He's kind of the the brother of um, Rebecca and the older, and Saul. He's the other guy. He's he's the really campy guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah, he's going to come up later in Bride of Frankenstein. But um, I love his role in this and it's totally different. And he's another English um, stage actor that um, Whale just loved brought over and he also is not heterosexual i don't know how to define them all they weren't totally talking about all that kind of stuff so i can't just say he was gay but maybe he was just so 
This movie, I didn't think they even tried to hide that fact. No. (laughs) Like at all. So. I, I really loved the um, the way that he was talking about the heavy lamp. Oh yeah, because at, at some point, and, and I know it was played for humor, and I, it was kind of a joke, like, "Oh, it's very it's very heavy for me." And he's he's talking about the he's talking to his sisters, like, "Well, you like what do you think it's light for me either, or whatever?" Yeah, and um, I. I got the feeling that they're not the the weight that they're referring to is not about the lamp. It might be the weight of the actions, you know, the door that that reminds them of their actions, you know. Yeah, I I, I think he doesn't want to go upstairs. He doesn't want to go up there by um, their father and by the brother that they've locked. He it's he's scared. He keeps saying yeah. that he's a nervous man and is he's. Um, playing with his hands and fidgeting all the time, which is yeah. totally different than Pretorius who we'll get to later. So mm-hmm. different act. Um, he's doing a good job playing different roles there. Yeah. I, I thoroughly, lo- I don't know what it was about the, the exchange with the lamp and how heavy it was. And when he finally says, when the other guy goes with them to, to get it so they can get it together. And he's like, Let, let's just say we didn't find it. Let's wait here for a couple of minutes and then go downstairs. Say we didn't find it. I don't want to get the lamp. Like he, he's <laughs> yeah. doing everything he can to not go up there. And then the guy says, well, do you, do you think it's too heavy for me? He's like, Oh no, the lamp's pretty light. And then you realize what he said. Like, Oh damn, never mind. I'm going down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that exchange. It was great. One of my favorite lines is when they're at dinner and he keeps telling everybody, have a potato. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he just wants to shut up uh, the one guy and he's like, have a potato. <laughs> it's like, shut <laughs> up. Let's quit talking. Eat this potato. Yeah. He, he delivers it so many different ways. Have a potato. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was really good. Um, well, who gave the first rating last time? Was it you, Mark? Yep. Okay. I'm going to give the first rating out of this, this one because let's let's end on some higher ratings but honestly like i said i can't really pick anything i didn't like about the movie it's just for me maybe it was the the humor that i wasn't expecting i'm gonna have i, I will re-watch it again i'm not saying it's a bad movie um but right now i'm just gonna give this seven out of ten wet shoes <laughs> <laughs> and i'm i'm gonna recommend a rental um it's like it, it, it it's fine i still enjoyed the story i i enjoyed it uh i enjoyed the movie the scenes the setting all of that it moved really well it wasn't boring it wasn't slow at any points um yeah i had a problem with the romantic aspect of it but it, it, it's fine i don't i don't have to like everything about the movie i'm gonna definitely rewatch it again um but you know still seven out of ten uh ashley let's go to mark I'll give it eight and a half gin bottles. <laughs> mm, I don't have anything more to say. And Ashley? Oh, wait. Oh, do you uh, buy or rent or avoid? Um, yeah, I'd say if once again, if you're not if you're not accustomed to watching a lot of older movies and stuff like this, this is not going to be your first James Whale movie. Um, I would, I you know, maybe rent it if you're interested. Okay. Just stream stream it, you know. Okay. Ashley? Um, nine out of ten gothic horror houses. <clears throat> and I 
don't own it just because I can't find it. But own it. I bought a DVD a while ago and I I bought it on iTunes too. So I usually just watch it on iTunes so I don't have to pop in the DVD. <laughs> so oh, so you can find it digitally. Uh-huh. There's a Blu-ray on Amazon that I'm putting in my cart right now. So how I about that? I don't even own a Blu-ray player. I just well, I actually don't either. I put it every. I watch stuff in my PS4. So. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I have a Switch, so I can't put Blu-rays in there. No. I just, I just went to all streaming. You can't. So I use Vudu, and it is not available to buy on Vudu. Oh, okay. It does on iTunes. I, I, I use Google, uh, Google Movies, or YouTube, or whatever, because it's all connected. Yeah. So this movie has a remake. Yeah, William Castle remake, nineteen sixty-seven, I think. Yeah. Hammer, Hammer production. Hammer. It's way goofier. It's barely a horror movie. I have not seen it, but I know that it caused copyright issues with this version, and it is still to this day hard to like get a hold of this because of that. Yeah, I think in 50-something, Universal lost the rights to the story for some reason. Um, and they took it out of theaters pretty quickly. I think it was lost, and uh, somebody um, who was a friend of James Whale in later years actually kept going to Universal and being like, look in your vaults, look in your vaults. And eventually they found it and re- yeah. redid it. That's like cool. I said, See, this is why I said I don't have any more to say, because I'll just keep talking. <laughs> no, that's that's fine. Uh, we should we should move on, though. Um the invisible is that that's the next one we're doing right the invisible man yep okay cool um mark do you happen to have a synopsis for this one yeah it's a pretty quick one okay dr frank griffin is a chemist who has turned himself invisible by using a drug called monocaine we find out that monocaine is dangerous and turning griffin mad over time he plans global domination and forces his fellow chemist kemp to partner with him a scared Kemp calls the police and Griffin finds out he was betrayed. Griffin goes on a killing spree and even derails a train killing hundreds of people. The police are doing everything they can to find the invisible man. Griffin kills Kemp and finds shelter in a barn where a farmer notices his breathing. The police set fire to the barn and Griffin runs out. They can see his footprints in the snow and Griffin is shot. While in the hospital, Griffin dies and becomes visible again. Man, I love yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I'm gonna give that a time to let's rate that one. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Frankenstein, it was harder for me to get rid of some of the details. I just uh, I'm too obsessed. But um, yeah, these ones I try to try to summarize a little more. But yeah, they they wanted to get this from the script from H.G. Wells for years. Um, it was one of the ones they wanted to follow up. Um, these movies were making money, not old Dark House as much, at least not in the States, but um, the horror movies, Dracula, Frankenstein, these were making money. So they, they needed the money. So they were trying to um, produce more of these. And it's really Carl Lemley Jr. Who had just kind of acquired Carl Lemley Sr. Gave him like this vice president of um, production job. And uh, when he was like 20 something. And uh, so he's, so he, he's pushing these movies and uh, then they were successful. And so that's why we have them. We can thank Carl Lemley Jr for a lot of these um but hg wells i think it was 10 grand that he sold it for but along with it he wanted the rights to approve the script which caused 
you know, a lot of script rewrites because there were definitely some things where it came across and he said, nope. So he had to keep going back. And Whale was on and off a couple times this project. And uh, and yeah, like Ashley said, Karloff was, they wanted Karloff right after Frankenstein to be in this. And he was, he was on there before Whale was and then off and on. And eventually Karloff was dropped and, uh, and Whale got Claude Rains. And this is like the first screen that Claude Rains had and uh, Claude Rains was again an English stage actor. And the, the funny really thing about it, <laughs> the funny thing about it is that we don't see him until the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. we have a monster in Frankenstein who we can't hear; he doesn't talk. And now we've got a man that we can't see. So it's, it's interesting. I'd never put that together, but you're right. Yeah, there's you're a lot of par- right. lot of parallels, I think, between Frankenstein and the Invisible Man. Yeah, you can't see him, and he's honestly one of the most destructive characters in horror history. Oh my crap! Yes, like he he's is. just like falls to the wall, death and destruction everywhere he goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is he is so manic and maniacal, but he's also so calculating too. It uh, honestly. So you guys know Black Christmas and and the obscene phone call, yeah. and at the very end, through that haze of of um, obscenities and 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 all of that, you get that very clear. Um, I'm going to kill you, right? Mm-hmm. That that line, I'm going to kill you, is is this character throughout <laughs> the entire movie? Yeah. Yes. It's, it's he's he still has all that all 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 of that craziness all of that um, r- r- uh, my gosh bloodlust I guess you could say but yeah. f- like focused into a laser beam of just unrelentlessness. Yeah. So the script that was approved it was written by um, R. C. Sheriff, who is the guy that did Journey's End, the play that got whale success and came over to America. And uh, he, so he was the one that actually got approved by well, uh, Wells and HG uh, Wells. And uh, he actually added that part and HG Wells liked it, that the monocane was going to turn him insane. Like um, the more, like it, it's almost kind of like a, a drug addiction, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is like a drug addiction, <clears throat> but it's also like, we can't just have this guy being a complete, utter power-hungry jackass. Let's blame it on the chemical. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, we can, that's too scary for this guy to just genuinely want to kill people and obtain all the power. It has to be another reason. Let's make it the stuff that makes him invisible. That's what I get from it. Like, I didn't read that anywhere, but it just makes sense to me that mm-hmm. to, like tone back the aggressiveness of this a little bit they needed it not to be like caused by human but the chemical making the human do it yeah like maybe you can have a little sympathy for him but he does not come off as sympathetic (laughs) sympathetic as the monster yeah no he's very different this monster is very different than frankenstein's monster i love the the scene where he's with kemp and he's like we're just going to begin with, you know, like, you know, just like a reign of terror, you know, just a little bit of murder and stuff. Like he murders here and there. Here and there. <laughs> like, Maybe I'll derail a train or two. Yeah. And yeah, he wants to kill 
big important people and non-important people just to yeah. show that nobody's any better than chaos them. yeah he, I, I feel like he chaos. also has a god complex but maybe like a god of death because he's very indiscriminate about who he will and will not kill mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't matter to him life all life whether young old rich poor he views as equally insignificant right yeah. and yet again we have another scientist not thinking about what happens when my experiment does go right what is the the backup plan here he had no way to turn himself back visible to enact his plans so that put him in a vulnerable position immediately because mm -hmm. he needed someone to help him and Kemp wasn't going to do it. Like no. he wasn't the guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the, the interesting thing is um, throughout the entire movie, he is still in every scene, the smartest person in the room, whether he's invisible or not. Yeah. He's the smartest person in the room. And I think that along with his, his invisibility is what makes him as dangerous as he ultimately is. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> like a, another Frankenstein, super smart scientist. Mm -hmm. And he, he, when you're that smart, you have absolutely no real world, like critical thinking skills. Like literally you just don't. I've never met a scientist that, is able to function in the real world as like a like a normal human being when they're super hyper focused like there's some like so like you have scientists who are just like mostly professors and then you have research scientists so when I say that I'm really talking about research scientists like I don't know a single one of them that if you just let them go, like we might have some scary stuff happening. <laughs> yeah, he um I mean he has a family. Well, he has a fiance. He has a fiance. Yeah, and... the the daughter of the lab that he works for, Dr. Cranley. Not even she could bring him down to earth. No. No, that's and... how far gone he is. <laughs> she is also played by Gloria Stewart again. Yeah, dark house. Whale does this. He has like a troop. He has people that he uses yeah. again and again. And she actually had issues. She she liked working with um, Karloff and other people, but with Reigns, she was like, "This guy's a little." He uh, felt he was a little conceited. Um, just uh, just a little like, "Well, I'm an actor, and this is how I you know do my thing." <laughs> mm -hmm. I have a I have a quote here that was funny because um, Claude Reigns. He this is his first TV thing, and he's trying to do be an actor. So he was talking to um um oh the director of the film, James Whale. <laughs> he was like, um, he asked if he could try to express something with his eyes, and Whale replied, But Claude, old fellow, what are you going to do with it? You haven't any face. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. even, then, even then he was kind of like, you know, he was kind of forgetting he wouldn't be seen yeah. until the very end. Those effects. How about those effects? Yes. They're honestly amazing. Yeah. Well nailed it. And not just the invisibility effect. At one point we get like three little people. When I mean little people, I mean, not like genetically shorter people, like people that have been shrunk to about the size of a drinking glass. No, you're thinking of a Bride of Frankenstein. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah. 
That's okay. I, I watched all these movies in the span of a day and a half. You have seen this one before, you said. Yes, this is the only movie I'd seen before. Okay. Um, but the so wh- whether or not it's using stuff on strings because they obviously just use stuff on strings for some some yeah. scenes or whether or not they superimpose like the the figure of like moving clothes onto the background of previously shot footage it's still amazing and it yeah. it is convincing it works you you did you do get a little bit of that halo effect from that superimposed um yeah. splicing but i don't care it like you, you're sucked into this, this story it looks great they would they would shoot the sets and then they would cover the sets with um black velvet because it wasn't reflective and then claude rains would be dressed in like a velvet suit head to toe and then put the clothes on and so they'd have these shots where it was all black except for his clothes. And uh, so he'd be invisible. And then somehow, yeah, they'd get the pictures together, the background and him. And they, they, they had to make sure that the camera was in like the exact right place though. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, yeah. And then he had to act around the set and uh, yeah, not run into stuff, I guess with a velvet over his face, you know, <laughs> man, that's a, that's incredible. That's amazing. His voice really sells it. His voice is so good. Mm-hmm. Well, his, his voice in some scenes is, is the only presence there is of his. Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> uh, there's some whale camp. There's some funny things that's going on in there too. Just some weird, goofy things. And, uh, and just like whenever he's like running down, he's like kind of terrorizing people, but he's stealing a bicycle and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I like, loved that. That's what I was thinking about. Uh, he's like singing, here we go, nuts in Maine. Uh, yeah. Like totally goofy off his rocker. What I loved about him though, well, I mean, he was so brutal, but he had a huge ego. Like he could not let the sheriff or whoever that was get away with thinking that he didn't exist. Yeah. So like... <laughs> He was like, you're going to say that I don't exist and just like murders him right then and there. <laughs> In front like, of a huge meeting. Yeah. He, <laughs> he did not like that. No, He's no. like, no, I'm doing all this shit and you yeah. will see now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I loved that the police in this movie are not dumb. They, yeah. well, I yeah. mean, at first they're very. Uh, unbelieving they don't they don't believe what's going on but when they realize that this is the situation mm-hmm. they don't second guess it they they make very smart deliberate plans and traps in order to catch this invisible man the only problem is again he is the smartest person in the room so he is two steps ahead of him the entire time the only reason that his reign of terror comes to an end is by happenstance by chance nothing the police planned on worked Mm -hmm. despite being good plans uh the one constable is played by ee clive and he's the guy that kind of has the the mustache and it's just such a british um like when you think about like the the cops where they're like oh yes. what's all this <laughs> he was very british looking yeah and he's gonna come back he'll be the constable in the next movie in bride of frankenstein so it's part of his group and i think this was his first film this is once again where was pulling from 
you know, character actors. And uh, E. Clive, he could do a bunch of accents. He was a really good actor. So Whale is finding this talent. He can tell when somebody's good. And these mm -hmm. small bit roles are just so fascinating and interesting. Yeah, something I really love about this time period, even into the 50s, the character actors who maybe they just didn't have like a huge breakout role, but you see them in literally everything and they're always good. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like that happened a lot in I Love Lucy because she will just use the same people over and over here. Like, wait, I thought that was your neighbor. And now it's a <laughs> guy trying to sell you something like, mm -hmm. but they were so good at it that it didn't take me out of like the world that I was in, like watching those things. Yeah. The barmaid is also going to be in The Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, Una O'Connor. Yeah. yeah. She was, she's probably my least favorite character, to be honest. She is so shrieky. She can be she the quiet taste. Shrieky. If there's yeah. something that people, even in Bride, if there's something that people are like, oh, what's up with her? <laughs> but that's, Whale is it, going, he's, he's putting this in. He did not have that in Frankenstein. Um, is, is she also the shrieky woman in Frankenstein? Bride, yeah. Oh yeah, and, and Bride, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. he gets a, he gets a little more freedom to do some of this stuff, and he really puts in a lot of comedy in some of these later ones. Not as much in the original Frankenstein, though there is some. Mm -hmm. So it, the the comedy that is in the Invisible Man, except for the Shrieking Woman, um, I, <laughs> I found it. You know, I, I found it. It fit well though, because uh, at least for me, a lot of the comedy revolved around the shenanigans that one would get into if they were invisible, and I thought that was pretty genuine. Like, mm -hmm. why not steal a bike? It, it's it's that's so funny. <laughs> like, yeah. why not just yank a hat off someone's head and toss it twenty five feet, or yeah. or uh, when he just pulls the drawer of money out of the bank and starts chucking it in the street? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, here's your. Yeah, a present from the Invisible Man. <laughs> and uh, it's so funny, but also it felt and genuine because he's invisible. He's He feels untouchable. Why not? And he got to make these people look like a fool. Yes. When they had to explain what happened to them. Yeah. <laughs> so not only did he have fun, but he also got to make these lower life forms mm -hmm. to him, the peasants look completely ridiculous to the authorities. That's an awesome point, Ashley, because yeah, he he's going he just thinks he's the best and that everybody else yeah. is a bunch of idiots and that, you know, he's this brilliant yeah. scientist and he can do whatever he wants and he is on top of the world. Yeah. <laughs> he has such disdain for the villagers and stuff and when he's yeah. up there at the beginning in his room and he's just yelling at them, "Get out. I'm trying to do important stuff. Like, who cares? You all be paid. It's not a big deal." Yeah. Yeah. Like I I need a room. Well, we haven't got any rooms. Well, prepare a room. Like he yeah. doesn't care. Well. So, uh, uh any last final thoughts before we get before we rate this movie? Nope. Cool. <laughs> all right. Um uh, Let's see, Ashley, you are you are yet to rate one first. Uh, what what would you rate this movie? I have this at ten out of ten. Wailing barmaids, <laughs> or screeching barmaids, whatever you want to say. Because when she brought him up that mustard and like his whole bottom half of his face was invisible, and she was just like, ah! and he's yeah. just like, get out, bitch. <laughs> yeah, from from that moment, I was like, oh, this character is going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was that was fun uh i'm gonna give this also a 10 out of 10 derailed trains nice 
And I'm going to say bye. This is another one where the story is just so damn good. The effects, like we were saying, are amazing. Yeah, just experience this movie. I don't care if you only experience it the one time. You're going to want this movie in your collection because at one point in your life, someone's going to be like, hey, I've never seen this movie and you're going to want to pick it up and say, sit the hell down because we're having a movie night. It's Even good to if watch. you're not. Yeah. It's good to watch in the snow. People are always looking for snowy shows it's an old one but it's Mm -hmm. a good one yeah even if you don't watch it for yourself watch it with someone who hasn't seen it just to have it on your shelf you're gonna want it there i'm just i'm just saying mark what do you rate it i am also 10 out of 10 which surprised me when i looked on letterbox i was thinking what did i give this a nine but no 10 out of 10 burning barns (laughs) they just totally burned down that farmer's barn he's like i found him he's in my barn and they're like sweet we're burning it down (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. Can can I say that I honestly thought it was going to be different than that when when uh, when he lays down in there and then when the farmer comes in and he's already moving hay with the pitchfork. I thought it was going to be as simple as the farmer doesn't know he's there and straight stabs him with Ooh, the pitchfork. I like that. Wow. Wow. That's remake. Cool. keep that in mind because i thought like this this lower class that he's been terrorizing the entire town and he wants to make them look like idiots gets the better of him without even trying (laughs) oh that is so good i love that i love that and i'm a little i'm honestly a little sad that that's not what happened yeah now i am too (laughs) that would have been a really cool scene um would you say bye mark uh yeah sure okay all right uh, so let's get into our final review of the evening, The Bride of Frankenstein. Ashley, this is one of your most beloved movies of all time. Uh, so I'm going to let you give us a synopsis on this one. Okay, let me think about this. Marks were so good and mine is not going to be good. I, I did not write one for this, so, <laughs> so I ran out of time. That's why see. I'm not going to try. I'm going to let you try. <laughs> this is so much pressure. No. <laughs> In a follow-up to Frankenstein, we see now that Dr. in quotes Frankenstein is not dead as believed, and the monster is also not dead as believed. And now we have a new crazy doctor coming in the mix and suggesting that they team up and create a mate for the monster. And even though you would think that Henry Frankenstein would be like, you know, I'm not going to go that route again. He's all for it. There we go. All right. Yeah. It really didn't take him a whole lot of convincing. to. No, no, (laughs) no, not at all. And like right off the bat, he's in the bed and he's explaining to Elizabeth what it felt like to create that life. And you knew immediately he's not over it. Like, yeah. nothing in him regrets what happened before mm-hmm. because he felt the power and a successful experiment. Like, you can't take him out of that glory at that point. It doesn't matter that his entire town was, like, almost leveled and a child died. No. No, doesn't no. matter to him because, say it with me now, scientist. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> not crazy. He's just a scientist. There were no repercussions. I mean, his health and stuff, but um, 
Yeah. He, as far as I know, I mean, his father kind of owns the town. So nobody, <laughs> yeah. nobody said, Hey, you're, you caused the death of Maria. And, uh, yeah. And those I parents know. are still grieving. I mean, those are the parents at the beginning, uh, the windmill they're waiting to see. Yeah. And then he kills Maria's parents. I was like, man, Maria's family is having a really bad day. Oh my mm -hmm. God, man. Yeah. They're all, they're all gone. They're all dead. And the owl that was in like the burning windmill <laughs> when he's <laughs> sorry, this is not funny, but he threw the mom down there and killed her. And the owl, there's an owl that just turns its head like <sighs> <laughs> this again. I must have missed the owl. I don't remember seeing that at all. Yeah, there's an owl. You gotta just watch the beginning again because his the owl's face is hilarious. Oh, I'll watch the movie again. This is a great movie. But... Was, is this the first watch for you? Yes, this was also a yeah. first watch for me. Um, and almost immediately when that woman's like like shrieking uncontrollably. Una O'Connor, yeah. Oh my gosh. I was I was like, this is this is a different movie. Yeah. I th I think it starts off telling us it's a different movie with there's a prologue scene um which yes. is really really smart. They have actually Mary Shelley like she's telling the story and Yes. Yeah, and um it's that it goes back to the night that it was written where um well, it was really a summer. Um, there was some bad conditions in the weather and they kind of hauled up at this place, her and Lord Byron and um Oh, I forget the other guy's name, but there was a guy who basically wrote one of the first vampire books too that night and, yeah. uh, or that, that summer. And um, yeah. And then, so they're telling this and it starts off super campy. I mean, those, those two guys are, they're acting, you know, really Way over the top. top. Yeah. And Mary Shelley is just this dainty little woman. Um, she's played by Elsa Lanchester, who wife of Charles Lawton and, uh, she went back to England. She was not having a good time in um, Hollywood. And then she went back to England and uh, James brought her back for this or whale. And uh, this basically kind of started her career from there. And then she also plays a bride at the end, which is really interesting meta, like super meta for like a early <laughs> yeah. 19. So this came out in 1935. They wanted it to come out. They've been pressuring whale for a long time. Whale actually had issues with just being, a horror director he directed a bunch of other stuff some of it was um successful but mostly it was his horror movies that were so successful i think he was just really good at directing horror movies and i think he wanted to do other stuff and not be benched and hold but it just came through that he was just so good at it he, inventing the genre as he went yeah I, I will say that this venture into james wells um filmography has really made me curious is to see him the other kind of stuff that he directed whether it's horror or not so um i'm, I'm very curious as to his other works but th this movie is still really really good i love in the beginning when it it it, it starts off right as at, at the end of where the first one ended yeah <clears throat> and I, I love when movies do that, you know, Halloween two and whatnot, the descent two. I, I love when movies do that. So yeah. I, I, and I didn't know that about this movie. I just thought it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, the sequel to Dracula, Dracula's daughter. Um, yeah. That also happens right after ah, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Good movie for the, for the first shot. It's a spoiler. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> it's literally more a really old movie so i think it's a year past its release so we're good 
Are you sure <laughs> it's not a 2022 release? <laughs> <laughs> I think they wanted Whale on that one too, but he didn't like the script. And oh. this one took a while to get the script penned. I think I think um, he used R.C. Sheriff again for this one. The guy that did um, Invisible Man and um, that play, Journey's End. Uh, it was, it's interesting, like, so there's this book by um, David J. Skull, and he makes the point that around this time, these guys were all coming from World War One, and that's why the horror genre was really booming, because they saw these horrors that were happening, mm-hmm. and um, just, I mean, that was the first time they had machine guns and stuff, and just like, so, and Whale was over there, he was in the war, so he kind of saw a lot of this, just a lot of this stuff, and um, I just think he was the right guy to direct a lot of these. And a lot of the other movies like um, that he did were um, war movies. They had some kind of element into the war in them. You know, I didn't. I didn't really consider the how closely to World War One this was, but yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, that makes was, a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. It's like Tom Savini. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he went to Nam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing I really. <laughs> my gosh so like i said this is a vastly different movie i feel like than the original frankenstein um one the the monster starts talking and it's very i thought that was really cool when he runs into the blind man and that that blind man just refers to him as a friend because he can't tell that this is uh the 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 monster he doesn't see him he can only hear him and and sense his innocence his childlike innocence and uh, this this blind man is helping him learn what he or uh, you know the ways of man, I guess. And it's so funny how it starts off, and then eventually you just get um, uh, the monster who is now an alcoholic sucking on a cigar pipe, and I thought that was so <laughs> funny. Yeah. Oh man. That scene is so good. I mean, talk about empathy and the for the monster and the monster's arc is just brilliant in this movie. Um, Karloff was he was a little worried about the talking. He didn't want it to come across as really goofy um, to have the monster start talking and saying words. In, in the original book, and the monster is very eloquent and uh, yeah, he's very articulate. Yeah, he learns all, the, and he actually is up in the woods watching people through a cabin where he learns a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Not only is he growing physically and becoming incredible, he's also very intelligent. And mm-hmm. a lot of that, he's talking about how, well, you created me and I have nobody like me, and he wants a mate. Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of the impetus for it. But in this one, it's like you guys were saying, Dr. Pretorius, who's once again played by Ernest Thessinger. <laughs> yeah. And he's like maybe the best thing in the movie. Like, um, it's amazing to have a sequel where everything's amped up and then you get this new character and the new character is just as great as everybody else. You just love it. Uh, Whale actually said, um, he said uh, he wanted him to play it. And I quote over the top character of a bitchy and aging homosexual. That was a whale (laughs) quote of how he wanted uh, him to play this part. (laughs) You know what though? Kind of nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. And there's a line where he he's like a woman. This should be really interesting. Like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, you could really tell. And he's trying to get her or trying he's working so hard to get Henry to help him make 
a project, like a prodigy, like make yeah. it, make life. Um, he's like, get away from your, like, he's, he's trying to spend his marriage now he's married and he's going to have wedding nights and hang out honeymoon. And this guy's like, no, 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 <laughs> you and I are going to make a child together. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. But he's very much, he's trying to stand on the shoulders of what Henry has already accomplished. It honestly reminded me a lot of, uh, of reanimator. Mm. Yeah. And actually it's yes. That is all over. Yeah. This movie is all over that movie. Um well, yeah, I, I would say reanimator is all over this movie, but yeah, yeah. And blending the comedy with the horror. Yeah. Like this one does. Absolutely. Everything and every everything worked. The comedy worked, except for the shrieking good Moses. <laughs> the thing about Pretorius is he's way more arrogant. Mm-hmm. Then Frankenstein, like, he's like, you just went and got a bunch of dead people. Like, I grew these people from cultures. Like, yeah. my work is better than your work. Yeah. We team up because I can make you successful because you're just meddling around with dead tissue. Yeah, yes. he needs them because he can't do the heart. Is that it? But he wants to grow a brain. He wants to yeah. come up with the brain himself. Yeah. Yeah. Follow the lead of nature is what he says. And then the arrogance comes out and he says, or God, if you're into Bible stories like that. Yeah. And the way he's to test for saying Bible stories. Yeah. Now, now was that part, was, was that line um, censored like the, like the previous line that now I know what it feels like to be God? You know what? I think that he, the original line was fairy tale stories. But they thought that that was making fun of the Bible. So they wanted them to say the Bible stories line. And so, really, just, yeah, which doesn't help at all. Doesn't make it any, no. maybe makes it doesn't worse. Doesn't make it any better. <laughs> so at this point, the Hayes Code was being enforced. So when they talk about pre code Hollywood, that's like basically when talking began, like around 1930 and um, up until 1934. And then they started enforcing these codes. So that's like, one of my favorite eras of movies is just this pre-code where it's like, well, we're not mm -hmm. really overseeing this stuff too much. And, um, but things were getting uh, censored regionally, like I said earlier. So, um, yeah, it, this, this, this came up to a lot of censorship, this movie, this movie. And like a lot of the comic books at the time, like, especially the horror comics, like mm -hmm. really got hammered when the code came in. Mm ridiculous and and clearly a lot of the changes didn't really make it so they just had to make things a little more subversive yeah well i what do you I think really of those little characters raul the little did you see that? <laughs> i thought they were hilarious okay in nice. the best way yeah i was on board for everything from <laughs> The 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 horny king to the queen that's <laughs> like no get away from me to mm -hmm. the 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 cardinal or priest or whatever he was that just like is supposed to keep an eye on the king but is really just sleeping in his chair like, yeah. it's, it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was, I think that's that great I think that's more commentary on class and religion that whales throwing in there yes. <laughs> I don't know much about Wales' religious upbringing. I tried to do a lot of research. I actually didn't. I never read like the biographies of him. So maybe he would say something if I put more effort into it. But uh, I couldn't find because he has a lot to say about religion. And in this movie, it's interesting because um, 
the old man is like super pious and very devoted and he is taken so seriously and they play this like music i mean the music is crazy in this movie but they play this like righteous music and kind of churchy music behind him and he's he's held up as this wonderful character um and that's the one time where like whales really taking like his the spirituality of this man really seriously it's kind of an interesting scene that he throws in there yeah absolutely man i loved it um what about uh Oh man, there's a scene I wanted to talk about. I can't remember what it was, but considering Boris Karloff was a little hesitant to uh, give the monster speech, um, do you guys think it was good? It was it, it, it played to the benefit of the monster. Or do you do you prefer if the monster it stayed more like in the first movie and was uh, uh, unable to articulate thought? I don't think the ending would have worked if he couldn't speak so the we belong deadline yeah Yeah, that's that's pretty epic yeah i love that yeah i didn't have an issue with it she hates Um, me i I think in the long run karloff he was okay he did it reluctantly and then son of frankenstein wasn't directed by james whale and it was a reboot in 1939 so that's like you know he would have been in his 50s at that point and that's when he was like yeah, I don't need to be this because at that point the monster started becoming and the later sequels you'll after that is like mm-hmm. he's just going to go around and kill and he has no more. He doesn't yeah. have that yeah, that empathy that we really and sympathy for the monster that we really like. Yeah, I I feel like in this movie yes, he's still the quote monster and whatnot, but he's still very sympathetic. All he mm-hmm. wants is to find now now that he knows that he doesn't belong in society. He just wants to find somewhere that he does belong. And I feel like in his mind, uh, when he realizes that there is a possibility that a woman can be made for him, mm-hmm. he feels like maybe this is the first step step to finding where I belong, where he belongs, is to find somewhere else who is just like him. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of themes of loneliness in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely but that <laughs> doesn't work out no <laughs> it does not it's a very bleak ending yes and i'm here for bleak endings as everyone <laughs> sure. knows the score for this movie is just it's phenomenal um i think uh one of the first movies to have like just kind of a full score was king kong 1933 so this is only two years later and this, this is just one of the best scores I, I think they reuse it a lot in other universal movies but mm-hmm. um, it was I like, agree. Uh, Franz Waxman, I think, was the guy that, the composer. Look at crew. I really like yeah. this. Is one of my favorite scored movies ever. Cool. I got it on vinyl a few years ago. I knew That's that. way cool. Yeah, someone released it. Yeah. Um. So I I love. Whew, I love the ending of this movie with, uh, and Ashley has talked about this on, on numerous occasions on various podcasts about the, 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 a woman's perceived role in society and her rejection of that and whatnot. Um, so I feel like she'd be the one to talk about it now, but I just wanted to say that I, I really love the way that plays out. Yeah. I love your reading on this, Ashley. Oh, yes. Thank you. I guess I will go over that a little bit here. <laughs> Since you're staring at me, Raul. <laughs> well, granted, I'm staring at the camera, so I could be staring at anyone. Oh, true. 
No, he's staring at me. No, so like I hold her up as like one of the earliest <laughs> feminist icons. So my reading of the end of this movie, whether it's right or wrong, is we have this woman who was made specifically for a man to fulfill the duties of what women were supposed to be back then. <clears throat> and it did like it didn't matter back then like what the man looked like if you it didn't matter if you were attracted to him it didn't matter like anything you were just like this is the person that chose you so now you must fulfill these obligations as a woman and her reaction was no like I am disgusted by him and I'm not gonna do it and then it ended badly for her like it does a lot of times still ends badly for women who reject the man's advances so like in that way she died again <clears throat> just by pure rejection yeah yeah as she when she comes to life i mean it's it's just all the, these men around her and <laughs> yeah just men being like they never thought for one second of their life that this may not be something that she wants like, because they would just be like, it's a woman. She's supposed to do these things. So she'll just be happy to go with him. Like, they never thought ever that she would reject that life. Yeah. It's like in the first one, too, when they're they're creating this life. And it's like, but they, there's no plan beyond that. Yeah, like, there's no plan. Yeah. And it would is inconceivable back then that a woman would in any way, like, reject any sort of advance towards her you know it's funny mark i was just about to say that 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 that, that circle yeah because um uh frankenstein you know the monster's father suffered the same thing he he had this plan sought it out and then didn't have a plan of what came after and then uh the monster again you know is part is now part he didn't come up with the plan in this movie um but he is now part of the plan and you know very on board for it and again, no one has an idea of what's going to happen after the initial fruitation of this plan comes comes about. So yeah, no. No, no it, plan it just about cycles. Yeah. There's like absolutely no force thought whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> like what yeah. happens if she's not happy with the situation? Mm -hmm. Like but, but the see, monster Ashley, clearly had a plan. Not, she's not allowed to not be happy because that was her role. They That, that was yeah. an option for her. That sucks, man. Yeah, that's that, and that's exactly what it's like a lot of times. Still, like it's just not an option. Like, why? Why? Well, because you know, the women are, and unfortunately today they're still seen as less than human. Like men, men are human, right? And and, right. and women are less than that, I guess. And women are incubators. Yeah, like you said, still today we see that in society, and that's that sucks, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, in this movie, it's a bunch of dudes trying to cut out the women in the creation of life. So we we also have that reading as well in this whole situation. There's yeah. a moment where the bride is, or Frankenstein starts going towards the bride, and um, actually, um, Doctor Pretorius kind of pushes him away or slaps him away, like, and that's kind of an. I've heard that as a read of like being like he's like no no you don't need to you don't need women or whatever um i've seen that uh taken from a different so i'm mm -hmm. just a normal 
cis white male. So I can't um, speak to a lot of this. I have been, but I'm just trying to say some reads that maybe I've seen or that other people have, but (laughs) especially when I first watched it as a kid, none of that popped in my brain. I actually took my son to see this in the theater one October and a friend came with us and a friend was laughing. And my son looks over at him in the movie theater and said, Mike, stop laughing. It's not funny. It's scary. (laughs) because he was a kid and he didn't find the humor like you know we we see it and i didn't either when i first saw it i thought it was um i just thought i just had sympathy for the monster i just thought it was terrible what they were doing to him they i mean at one point they basically crucify him right they put him on a uh on a cross and um parade him back to town yeah 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 although no one knows how to tie knots in that town (laughs) (laughs) just saying no and he's clearly stronger than the chains. Yeah. He sits there and they sort of taunt him once again, the outsider. And, um, you know, they rip him from this like idyllic um, situation where him and his friend are living um, mm-hmm. in the cabin. Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, which, you know, could be another reading where it's two males and they're getting along just fine living together. Yeah. And it, then it oh, adds man. an abomination. So these guys come in, John Carradine being one of them, and is like, He's a monster, you know, and and then he gets paraded through town. He gets, um, yeah, and they're just yelling at him and stuff. It doesn't take him long to get out of there. No, he's incarcerated for like two minutes. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Cool German expressionism through all of this, too. It's just dripping with weird angles. Yeah. uh, Crazy stones. I, I loved it, man. I also love the fact that even though... Uh, the monster is on board with what's going on and, and the, the plan that Vittorius <laughs> is kind of spearheading. Um, he doesn't like Vittorius and, and whatnot. And, uh, but the funny thing is Vittorius still sees the monster as like this child to placate. Um, and so much so that he just gives him like a, a bottle of wine, just like shut up and go drink this. <laughs> yeah. And he, I drug, was, he drugs them a couple times. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was so funny. With drink. Yeah. It's like the monster is on board with making another version of him, and he doesn't even like himself, like, and finds no joy in living. So... <laughs> well, misery loves company. Another... I guess so. It's like, you're you're okay with bringing someone else into this situation? Like, yeah. I guess perhaps his brain is not formulated or, I don't know, has not matured yeah. enough to, to, to think, oh, we're just not going to be two people going through the same thing I've been going through. I, well, I, 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 I put the blame on Pretorius way more than the monster. The Pretorius yeah. is definitely trying to use him. And like like you were saying, like, yeah. use a child. You can convince them to do all types of stuff or say, this is going to be good for you and this is what you're gonna like yeah. and at the end he's the one that's like you know he he knows pretorius is bad he thinks henry is okay he can go but he's gonna kill off he's he like, probably we, should we have told there. henry too <laughs> well in the original they did but once again they did not the code or the censors or whatever people did not like that so actually if you look at the cuts i don't think i think henry's there when they're kind of blowing it up and oh um, he is yeah and then also the bride um henry's bride elizabeth <laughs> she uh she's like prisoner but then somehow she just escapes and she's not a prisoner anymore i was thinking that too yeah, yeah i was like that, well, that was put on that? later yeah that was put on later that's kind of a 
I guess, I guess it's a plot hole, but that's not what Whale was planning on until he was until kind of forced. They, they butchered his movie, like. But honestly, it's a plot yeah. hole that I didn't really give credence to, or really didn't care about until you just brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I love it. It's fine. I don't, yeah. I don't have anything bad to say. <laughs> like it didn't take me out. It was just kind of like a question that I thought to myself. Uh, and then I'm like, I, I really, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Whale. Um, yeah. He, he dealt with censors and he dealt with all types of stuff. People, especially after this, because once the Hays code was in full effect, he had a lot of issues with them. Um, what he was allowed to do. They were just cutting his movies and, and then releasing them. And then, yeah, people didn't like it. I just found it hilarious that the that the monster was an alcoholic, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> it's like here's what we enjoy in life. Maybe this will make you happy. Yeah. yeah. So so much so that it, like the the blind man's like smoke good and he's like smoke mm. good. <laughs> <laughs> good uh-huh. and then and then like the next scene he's got like a wine glass in one hand and he's like casually smoking the cigar on the other hand i'm like oh he's learning fast yeah. <laughs> it's yep. so funny oh man but uh did you guys have any final thoughts before we put the the rating on this bad boy i will give you caroline's thoughts on the movie okay yes. And I quote, is this supposed to be scary? Was this scary back then? It's not even scary. I feel like I could watch this two times and not even scream. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's right. It's not, I mean, it's supposed to be funny. Like a lot of people are are put off at first, like with Uno O'Connor and stuff. They're like, is this supposed to be funny? Yes. And it's scary, but it's also, there's a lot of psychological scariness to it and things to think about. I, I think we should mention maybe just Jack Pierce. He's the makeup guy and uh, at Universal, and he designed the, with James Whale a little bit, but the design of Frankenstein and um, him and Karloff got along really well. Not a lot of people got along with Jack Pierce very well because they were just stuck in his makeup chair. And uh, Elsa Lanchester, she... Um, she had some issues with them, but they came up with the hair uh, piece for it was based off Nefertiti, the Egyptian yeah. Nefertiti. But then, uh, <clears throat> yeah, she was like, yeah, you'd go in there. He had this like hospital thing and you didn't speak first. He, he would talk to you and then you could enter. And so she, it was interesting to see different people's perspective in dealing with these. But yeah, I mean, the look of her is iconic and she is in it so little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like- that's something that I think surprises people. And maybe even me when I first watched it, I don't think I paid attention too much. I was just so fascinated by the story. I was a little kid. I think I was watching them out of order as a kid. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure where the timeline was or what happened first. I just took each Frankenstein movie I saw on its own. But a lot yeah. of people watch it and are like, what? There's no bride in here? It's like, all right, calm down. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's like, it will get there and it will be worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, Ashley, any final thoughts? Um, <clears throat> not specifically on the movie, but James Will um, and Colin Clive. Like, both of these people had, like, super tragic endings to their life. Yeah. So, sure. like, James Will committed suicide. And what was he, like, 67, I think? Yeah, 67. And, like, Colin Clive drank himself to death. And he was married. Colin Clive was married. 
and his wife made like no claim to him. I think it was his second marriage. Like she even wrote a memoir and did not even mention him at all in the book. Wow. Like she left his ashes sitting in the funeral home and no one claimed them for 40 years. Mm, I think I heard that somewhere. Like no one wanted him because of his alcoholism and like dealing with him working the working conditions of him being drunk all the time like he had some close friends and they even had a funeral for him but everyone just left him at the funeral home no one wanted him it's rough and it's like if they could now know like the effect they had on this entire genre like he would not know like he died in 37 like if he could somehow know, like in 2022, we were sitting here talking about him and like how phenomenal he was in these roles and how <clears throat> like James Well, how he changed the genre. Yeah. Like it's just much to think about. Um, yeah. Towards the end of yeah, James Whale's life, he he basically I get we'll just go over it real quick, but he basically almost caused the end of Universal to some extent. Um not totally his fault, but the Lemleys lost control because they put up a big loan to do um, a big, a big movie with him. Uh, it was um, Carousel. It was a musical, and and James Whale was going to do this musical, and they were all excited about it. And they put a, they got a loan because the they thought like uh, the stockholders were like, you guys are using way too much money and spending stuff to the Lemleys. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, basically after the movie came out. Um, it went way over budget and they didn't quite get their money back and it got pulled early for different reasons. And um, though it's, it's from what I hear a fantastic movie and people go back and watch it all the time, but um, the Lemley's basically the, it was called standard capital. It was just a like mm-hmm. loan loan company. They called in the loan and the Lemley's lost control of universal. And so after that, it was, wow. yeah, yeah. So, and that was on James Whale's movie. And then after that, these guys came in and they weren't really, um, they weren't really like, uh, you know, movie guys. So they weren't, they were just, mm-hmm. they just wanted to run it like a business and make money. And they were really cutting James Whale's movies, hardcore. There was a, uh, Nazi group in Hollywood. And one, one of the guys was, um, demanding all these cuts because one movie that whale did was um not sympathetic to the nazis and the studio heads they were young they didn't know what to do so they just basically made a bunch of cuts and stuff and ruined this movie because they wanted to be sold overseas and the they were said this doesn't make nazi germany look good and we want to make sure it does does or we're not going to sell your movie and they had like a whole guy that was just there (laughs) hollywood trying to like make sure that nazis were represented well so this is you know screw that noise that is, is still happening. That mm. is still happening with China. Ah, it wasn't Carousel. It was Showboat. Sorry. Showboat. Yeah. That, that kind of movie. stuff is still happening in Hollywood. It's like. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so it was interesting. But so there was that movie. It's based off a book, um, "Gods and Monsters," directed by Bill Condon. And a lot of people have seen mm. that. I remember when I I first moved to LA, I, I went to buy that movie and. And they directed me to the queer cinema section. I was like, oh, really? I thought this was a, 
Brandon Fraser's in it, and uh, he's basically a hired pool boy. But what happened in real life was Whale went and did some. He got into painting a little later, and his partner David Lewis got him into painting again. And um, he was doing a play over in Europe, and he wanted to see these paintings. And he was visiting gay bars, and he really liked this one bartender. And he uh, hired the bartender as his chauffeur. And then, uh, then when he returned to LA, he was like, he told David his partner, he said, "I'm gonna bring this guy." back to live with us and uh that was the end of their relationship david um he moved out and uh then this guy this young like 25 year old moved in with james whale and lived lived with him towards the end but yeah james whale he had um yeah he had some he had some issues and he was taking medicine for it and it was not going well and uh so he eventually drowned himself <laughs> in the pool but he had these pool parties invited male pool parties and he had all these guys over all the time swimming he <laughs> he wouldn't swim but he was kind of older but yeah he was he's watching all this happen but he was he was really losing it with all the pills and stuff by the end he was not he was not doing well yeah and that is just it was a stroke, a couple strokes, and he had depression, and uh, that's that's when he died. Um, but so David Lewis, before he died, he did mention because there's a lot of queer readings to his things, and he said um, Jimmy was first and foremost an artist, and all his films are the work of an artist, not a gay artist, but an artist. So he was he kind of said that you know, but you can interpret things however you want, and you it just comes through in his work. It's, it is who he is. And it comes through. Um, but he said in his suicide note, he said, don't, the first words were, don't grieve for me. You know, he said, this is the only way out. And he even said uh, something like, God, forgive me too. So he asked God for forgiveness for like killing himself and stuff. So up to the end, he had this interesting relationship. He said he loves everybody and he just, he just can't do it with the strokes and the pills and he can't live his life. Yeah. Damn, man. That is rather depressing. Yeah. Whew. Like bleak endings. This is our bleak ending to this episode. Bride of Frankenstein got an <laughs> Oscar nomination for a sound recording. So, well, I, there you go. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. <laughs> that is well, a- I, I, I will be remiss if I didn't insert some penis in here. That sounds weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say early in the episode, I mentioned the movie I Am a Ghost. Um, and for, for all of everyone who expects me to throw some dong around the conversation, uh, there, we do get full male nudity and, uh, it, it it is running at some points flapping around. So, yep. Gods and monsters. If you can find that, you're like, (laughs) you'll get an eyeful. (laughs) Oh, all right then. I will be on the lookout for that for a few reasons. It's based uh, off a fictional book, so it's not it's not totally true. Yeah. But Brendan Fraser plays a gardener who James basically has a relationship with. Say less. Yeah. <laughs> Do we want to rate this movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sorry, Ashley. Sorry. You, I mean, we can't go. We we can't not have some dong talk. <laughs> yeah. The listeners expect a certain level of penis out of us and. <laughs> that that all sounds wrong. I'm sorry. Um, let's see. Have I gone first yet? I don't remember. I'll go first. Whatever. Uh, I'm going to rate this a nine out of ten. Uh, alcoholic monsters. 
Uh, I still say bye. The only reason I dropped it down to nine is because it was so grating that shrieking. And if it, if it was just a couple scenes here and there, it probably wouldn't have bothered me so much like it did in the old dark house. You know, it wasn't so constant or not the old dark house, the, the invisible man. Um, like her shrieking in that movie was just so abhorrent but you know it was like two scenes but she's so much more prevalent in the bride of frankenstein that actress so it, it just oh, i just wanted her to not be there so <laughs> it, but honestly i i can't really think of anything else that i didn't like about the movie maybe it's just another part of the the comedy aspect um the fact that it wasn't as serious as frankenstein was um but either way, it's still a near perfect movie for me. So a solid nine and a half or nine out of 10 alcoholic <laughs> monsters. And I'm going to say buy it. Ashley, what do you say? Um, I give this 10 out of 10, obviously. Um, tiny archbishops and glass. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Don't say that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I have the like I always make this point, but I do have her tattooed on my body. Yeah. Yes. So own the movie. So. Yeah. Mark. The uh, I give it ten out of ten. Uno O'Connors. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's probably Wales' best movie, and it's just so well received even to this day. I mean, it's on the t it's on the top list of everything, and not just horror movies, but movies in general. Um, it's it's just amazing what they accomplished with this film. A little higher budget than Frankenstein. Now buy or rent. Own. Yes, buy. Buy for your buy. friends. Anything you can do. Frankenstein, awesome. Bride of Frankenstein. I'd go, I'd buy the whole Frankensteins, all the Frankensteins. But this is my second favorite movie. My first favorite would be Frankenstein. So um, if you if you count my first, I shared my list with you guys a few episodes back. But my first three favorite horror movies of all time are Frankenstein, Bride, and Son of Frankenstein. So mm -hmm. I even like yes. that one a ton. But yeah, that was not directed by James Whale. That has a whole other story. And sometimes you can find these in a box set. Like the other day, I was in a not the other day. It was like maybe two months ago. I was in a grocery store, and they have this bin of movies, and some of them are used, some of them are new. And I found um, the Universal, the Mummy, all the Mummy movies. Oh yeah, just in a box set on DVD. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm gonna buy them. It was like four dollars, so it was oh. great. So listeners, always, always look through wherever you're at. Just for listen real. I own all of these in so many different like iterations of themselves because I will find like a cool box art and buy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've never seen a mummy like the, well, no, I've seen the original, the mummy, but like the, the what's, what's the second one? The mummy's hand or something. Yep. The mummy's yeah. hand. Yeah. Which isn't like, well, there, yeah, there's, well, we can get into that if we ever do that one, but uh, I've, I've only seen the original The Mummy and I've never seen any of the other ones. So I own them, I guess. I just I just haven't gotten around to them. Um, but that's going to be our episode for today, listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Mark, thank you so much for being our guest today and talking to Universal Horrors with us and, and uh, you along with Ashley kind of helping me 
kind of guiding me, being my my universal Sherpas for this episode. You guys are <laughs> awesome. I love your fresh perspective on it, you know, just seeing those movies for the first time. I'm glad they played well for you, but um, if it doesn't for somebody else out there, that's okay, you know, it could be acquired. But thank you guys so much for having me on. I just, I love talking about these movies. Yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a blast. Uh, do you have any plugs to give to to the listeners where they can find you online or follow you or whatever the hell? Uh, I'm on, you know, I think Mark underscore Longfield, Dark Mark on Twitter. You can find me. I'm pretty much around. And uh, same with Letterbox. You'll if you find my Letterbox or my Twitter, they're linked. So yeah, okay. talk movies with me. DM me whatever you want to do. Uh, if you got any questions, or or you got some cool ideas, or if you want to correct me on something, that'd be cool too. I love the discussion. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, Ashley, do you want to give some plugs out? Sure. You can find me at Barely Ashley on Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, PlayStation Network. What else? Facebook? I'm on Facebook. Yeah. Wow. Ashley's yeah. everywhere. I'm all over the place. Yeah. I, I guess I'm on Facebook if you want to contact me there, but don't 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 look for me on Facebook. I don't do anything on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am mostly on Facebook because <clears throat> like I have to like promote work stuff. Mm. And like her, that's how Caroline's teacher gets a hold of me. And I will sometimes look through land of the creeps group yeah that's about as much as i do on facebook is um i participate in various groups that i'm a part of oh in the last episode i was at what 397 followers on twitter and we asked everyone to push me to 400 so now i have a grand total of 413 nice listeners we did it we did it. We met a goal. <laughs> and um, yeah, that that was that was awesome. Did you hit that before that episode even released? I don't know. Because you were close. I don't remember. I don't even know how many followers I have. Is it just, just under your account or something? Yeah. I guess I never looked. <laughs> yeah, it's just like following and whatnot. It, it, it's on your profile. You can see it. Cool. Um as far oh, as the right now, you have 551. Ooh, look at Mark oh, go. Oh, I know, right? All right. Damn. All right, Mark's followers. Uh, you need to follow Ashley now. Get her number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Push her to 500. Yeah. Uh, so, as far <laughs> as other links go, um, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Into Monsters. That's in. The number two monsters. You can follow me personally at Raul versus monsters. You can follow my letterbox at into underscore monsters. You can also visit our website at headlong into monsters.godaddysites.com. Um, you can also send us an email with uh, comments, commentaries, uh, pictures, videos, whatever you want to send to an email. Oh, that sounds weird. No, don't, don't send us pictures or videos. Um, you can- <laughs> Uh, send whatever you want to at headlongintomonsters at gmail.com. And uh, again, thank you for listening and join us next time where we, what are we doing next time, Ashley? <clears throat> next time we are covering all three 
Creature of the Black Lagoon films with, drumroll, the Gilman himself. Woo-woo! Yeah! Yeah, Gilman Joel. Love it. Gilman Joel, Mr. Retro Movie Geek, Mr. Horror Avenger. Mr. Lives in Florida, where a lot of that was Mr. Gator Bait. (laughs) (laughs) There's also Florida Man. There's a Colgate Hour special that was on television where they meet um, Abbott and Costello, where the Gill Man meets Abbott and Costello. It's super short. You can find it on YouTube. Oh, my God. I have to watch that. That sounds pretty cool. Include that on your little review there. Yes. These these will be – all three one. of these movies will be a first-time watch for me. Oh, yeah. That's so and cool. I know. And so I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited for Joel to be on. We can talk to him uh, about these movies he did what, what was his what's his favorite movie again when he found out that i hadn't seen it he he messaged me what, what, what what's his favorite movie one of his favorite movies uh, well anyway wh- whatever it is we were talking back and forth and he's like how about we talk about this movie i'm like no dice i, I can't remember what it was you're gonna have to remember that for the next episode i mean i can look it up right here i was just talking to him not too long ago oh uh, the Blob 88. Oh, yeah. It's one of my wife's favorite horror movies. Yep. Yeah, when he found out I hadn't seen that yet, he's like, oh, we could talk about The Blob 88. And I said, no dice. But uh, as far as retro movie geek goes, I was recently on an episode with them. We were talking about Desperado. And that was a fun conversation full of uh, dicks and Sama Hayek cities. So uh, <laughs> listeners, check that episode out. It was a lot of fun. And with that, uh, we're going to sign off. Please join us next time as we dive headlong into monsters. Bye. Bye. Look at that man meat. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh my God. Why? The full corpse right there. That's him. That brings all the boys to the yard. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Anyway. I'm sorry. Cut this out. What have I been watching? I was holding off on listening to this because I don't like to hear. Oh, wait, hold on. No, yeah, yeah. I was holding off. I'm going to edit that part.